episode 246, Hot Shot Scott. I'm driving over to your house and I'm thinking, am I going to have to explain to Levy the whole Wembenyama, Britney <laughs> Spears, Pauly Shore? What is happening out there? Okay. No. Okay, good. <laughs> I am weirdly fascinated by that story. Really? Oh, yeah. It's so weird, I've though. been on top of it. But, uh, I've been like the official reporter. Like TMZ's hiring you to did follow. She, did she tug on his shirt? Yeah. Did a security person slap her? Right. Did a security person oh, shove her off? And then she slapped herself? There's all... Con- yeah. That's slapped a, herself? That's exactly what happened, by the way. That's the answer to the question. Really? Oh, yeah. I've been all over that. I have no idea what the Mariners have done. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know anything about the All-Star break. Right, right. I know nothing about sports, but ask me about the Britney Spears. Just the whole world's colliding thing. You're not a Seinfeld fan, but George Costanza would say, yeah. worlds collide. Yeah, yeah. I know what that means. Like, I, course, like yeah. I would have never, ever expected the Wembenyama Britney Spears worlds to... What, how does that happen? Of all the people. How, how are they at the same place at the same time? Yeah, but what about Pauly Shore somehow and injecting himself it? into it? Like, what the hell? Pauly Shore? And does he know who Britney Spears is? And does Britney Spears knew, knows? Oh, yeah. I guess they both know who each other are. I, I guess. She claims to be a big fan. I, I have not known her to be Again, a sports just fan. Just another but. wrinkle to the story that fascinates me. <laughs> but you figure he's born in 05. Yeah. Her first hit was like 98, yeah, 99. Yeah. He may not even know who she no, is. No, he does. You think so? Do you know who Frank Sinatra yeah, is? Yeah, I know who the Beatles are. I know. You but know who the Beatles are? It's a little different, though, I think, nowadays. She's I don't Britney know. Spears. But he may not look at her the same way like maybe we would. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he does. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying if you're asking me, well, if you're asking me, what is more likely to be true? Victor Wembenyama doesn't know who Britney Spears is. Not aware. Never heard the name. Okay. Or Britney Spears never heard the name Victor Wembenyama. Right. That would be an easy one. It would That's be right. Britney Spears not knowing. I mean, you know Britney Spears' name. He has yeah. to know Britney Spears. She doesn't have, but she's a big fan of his. I, <laughs> apparently, yes. Loves basketball. Apparently. I don't know if anymore. Who knew? I don't know. <laughs> That's a weird I story. thought you were coming in here. With puffed out chest, ready oh. to gloat, ready to put an end to the three week saga on Mitch Unfiltered oh. of the. I'm what's known as a gracious type winner. I mean, you should. You are. I don't know if you know what that means or not. Clearly, you know. I don't know if you know what that means or not, but I don't do that. I don't do you, gloat. Do you think that people would call you gracious the same way if I read exactly the texts that you've sent me after every yeah. loss that they have? For sure. No, they would. Do, do, you, do you love my uh, my gracious? Favorite? Not only are you not gracious, <laughs> my, my little meme of that that little girl. It's my favorite. You one You are ever. the most obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, and you don't even have any hardly any skin in the game. And you have been yeah. the most obnoxious well, winner of them all. You got well. You you didn't really win. You didn't win anything. Correct. They lost, which means you win. You didn't want them to win. Not that I didn't want them to. I said they wouldn't. They're not going to the World Series. I made that very clear. You also made it very clear they were going to lose the first two. Right. So at least take a little bit of both. But you're excited. I mean, you were sending me memes. Oh, the best. You were... Yeah, that you little were smile face. (laughs) You were sending me the scores of your games. Which Which games? The District 9 game. Hey, if you want to be a World oh, Series contender. That's not a District 9 are, team. These are the types of, or whatever. Yeah. State, these are the types of scores you, you win asked, by. Actually. It would have been nice to ask who that was. But that was Midway, Texas, the team that beat us in the World Series. Oh, that wasn't you? No. Oh. They're back. I'm just saying, like. That's oh, I thought what, you were sending me your scores from last year. No, no, no. no. That's that's mid, 
It says Midway, I think, if you look at the uh, I, I didn't Anyway, I'm just saying, that's what the score should look like if you're thinking World Series. Well, how about 17-0, 17-1, The team that, as we sit here, the other team in the state of Washington that no one's talking about. How about that? They're called um, South Hill. They are. They won 17-0, 17-1, 16-0, And they won, as we record this, and they are the uh, state champions. So, that's the t- so what do you have to give me Midway for? Am I not allowed to root for South Hill because I... What you don't know is I don't know where South Hill is. You do. But they have my favorite second baseman. <laughs> Come on. That would be awesome. <laughs> Although I will say that. There is South Hill. The Puyallup. Oh, I didn't even know that. So like this guy, the District 10 softball committee, he reached yeah. out. He's a fan of the podcast. Oh, really? And South that Hill's in one. District 10. So he said, you have to please talk about how they're the champs now. So yes, congrats, congrats to South Hill. Yes. While we've been talking about Samantha. Little League softball. And Issaquah. And who? North Shore and yep. Mill Creek, you told me. Oh, yeah. We took our eye off of South Hill. We sure did. Now, do I have your permission mm-hmm. to root for South Hill to win it all? To go to the national championship in Greenville, North Carolina, and win it all? Or do you not want them to do it either because you guys didn't do it last year? Screw them and their coaches. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know anything about them. Congratulations. No, you can root for them. I have a feeling they're probably going to do well. I mean, they've been blown. Although, in the championship, I think they won 7-3 maybe or 8-3 or something, 8-2. I don't know. But, yeah, they're blowing people out, so they might do well. Well, this is officially the end of the Sammamish-Issaquah controversy. Until next year. Yes. That's what I was going to say. The end for now. For now. Yeah, I know. Because you know that my favorite first baseman (laughs) will be back. Really? Oh, if she decides to play little, if they all stay together, I think eight or nine of those kids are 11 years old, the ones you're rooting against. Maybe you'll find it in your heart. Maybe something will happen to you as an adult over the next no. year where you'll have a different perspective on life and you'll say, you know what, Mitch? I'm different than I was a year ago no. now that I'm 60. I'll be worse. Now that you're 60 years old. Yeah, that's right. Maybe you'll say, hey, you know what? Sammamish, I- I'm not going to make a stink on the show if you're, st- if you're still willing to do the show Sammamish is going to be back. We're going to be back. Going? My favorite first baseman is going to be back. If you're telling me they're going to bring like seven, eight, or nine back, well, now we're talking. Now that could be a good team. They looked young and they looked small to me oh, this God. year. So if you're telling me they're returning that whole team, yeah, they, they might be good next year. Good guests again on this episode. Where are we? 246. Okay. Did you listen to any of the good stories? I promoted the hell out of them. Remember I said they were unique. You had... Yeah, the 1972 Munich Olympic guy. Yes, yes. No, I haven't gotten to any of them, but I'm going None to. None of them. I'm going to get to them. I you will. Didn't, you didn't get to the Unabomber's next door neighbor until she was 16. That's right up my alley. I love that. So I'm getting oh, to it. Don't you God. worry. I'm getting to them. It's on my list. So so let me get this straight. My wife and I watch <laughs> Your Honor. Yeah. The first episode. Right. Which has now sent my wife to like chain the kids to the house thank you very little well it's weird that, that you said that because I, I can't remember what the first episode's about so isn't, I, the, isn't the first episode the whole show the one kid goes out and kills the other kid oh yeah yeah that's right yeah. the one kid gets in the car yeah and runs into the other kid who's on the motorcycle oh, I forgot about that the whole thing. oh my god yeah. and he's on the side of the road oh and, and gurgling and, and, and blood uh, coming awful. all over the place okay now I remember yeah thank you for that <laughs> When I asked you for a recommendation, I thought maybe you'd come through. Anyway, are, so, we, are we in or out on that show? Well, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. It's good though, right? Good I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, I love Cranston, and, but yeah. 
we're we're both scarred by yeah. the. I mean, we're both scarred by the first show. That that that. So we have to work our rough, way yeah. through this. Okay, fair. We enough. have to figure out whether this is our cup of tea. Okay, fine. But uh, it's called Your Honor, and we're going to try. Good. I think I think we're going to try. It's anyway. good. So you haven't listened to any of the guests from episode. Not yet, but I I will. I'm a little behind. It's just too much content, mm. Mitch. I just I, I can't get to yeah, it all. Thanks very much. Yep. So should I even promote this week's <laughs> of guests? Course. I'm not the only one that listens to the show for all God's right, sake. All right. For Hot Shot. Who's going to listen to this week's guests in 2024 February? <laughs> I look here's forward a, to it. Here's what you're going to hear in February <laughs> okay. when you turn on episode 246. The central figure in the worst trade, maybe, in Mariners history. If I said oh, to you, gosh. and they've made a few, yeah. a few doozies. Heathcliff? If I, if I said to you, what was the worst trade in Mariners history, what would you answer as... The one. The worst trade. Yes. The What's central it? figure in in what I believe, I'm only one person. Right. I'm only one Mariners fan. The central figure in what I believe is the worst trade in Mariners history is guest number one. He's here for the All-Star game, not still playing. He was a four-time or five-time All-Star, a four-time gold glove. He was drafted by the Mariners, was supposed to be a star for the Mariners, of course. What did the Mariners do? Right. They traded him. Did he go to Georgia Tech? No. Not Jason Veritas. That's who I was thinking. No. Huh. The worst. Tra- I mean, there's so many. I don't know. That, that's <laughs> the one that jumps out to me. How about Eric Bedard? Does that name mean anything oh, to you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Who they trade to get Eric Bedard in oh, here? Oh, that's right. Do you oh. know who they traded to get Eric Bedard in here? Was it Baltimore? Was, was there a Baltimore? It was Baltimore. It was a package of prospects, including yeah. their number one pick in 2003. Just an all-star every year. A five-tool yeah. player center fielder. Do you recall? I can't remember. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Adam Jones. Adam Jones, of course. Yeah. I know. Adam Jones, oh. George Kirby, Chris Tillman, all for Eric Bedard, who would pitch four innings and then call the skipper over to take the ball from him. <laughs> right. Four, that's right. Four innings, and that was it. He's good, right? Worn out. If he made a start that particular time. True, yes. <laughs> Adam Jones went uh, to Baltimore and had a very good career. He didn't yeah. have a Hall of Fame career, but he had a very, very good, good career, made a lot of money, is a very personable guy, loves Seattle, here for the All-Star break to take part in some of the festivities, and he is guest number one, and we're going to ask him to reminisce when, when he was 22 years old, thinking that he was going to play here mm-hmm. his entire career, getting the phone call. Young man, you've been shipped off to Baltimore. Yeah, you're going to love and it. And how he felt about that. Okay, I can't wait to hear so Adam Jones will be guest number one, an excellent 20 minutes. Steve Phillips will be guest number two, the former Great. GM of the Mets, a, a regular guest not only on the radio show but here on the podcast. The All-Star break, what the Mariners should do come the trading deadline, mm. they're 45 and 44. I'm going to ask him if he were still a general manager in baseball and he could have one of the following two guys for the next 10 years, which would he choose, Julio Rodriguez or... Ellie Dela Cruz. Yes, you're in love with him. Yeah. I'm in love with both of them. Yeah, right, true. Who is Steve Phillips going to choose between those two guys? And then the uh, the third interview segment, the Mariners No Table. The new Mariners mm. No Table, which is normally is a is normally a um patron show. Right. But we've moved them to the big show. And yeah. that reminds me I should tell everybody to make sure that you subscribe and rate us. On Apple Podcasts, we could use five-star ratings. We're not getting too many five-star ratings anymore, so we could use some ratings. And if you want to become a patron, go to MitchUnfiltered.com. So three interviews. This is after you listen to last show's interviews. I got a lot of work to do. Great stories. Three great stories from last show. 
Adam Jones, Steve Phillips, and a new Mariners note table at the All-Star break. I look forward to it in February. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Hot shot. When you think about Daniel's broiler, the first thing that comes to mind might be the best steaks in the world prepared perfectly or the seasonal fresh seafood available. But don't forget, outdoor dining at Daniel's Broiler on the deck at Leshy, the seaplanes at South Lake Union, overlooking the world at Bellevue Place, danielsbroiler.com. You got to love them. World-class steakhouses, evergreen golf call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza celebrating that complete makeover of their mobile app, remote ordering, never been easier, download and try it, get yourself a cherry bomb or a Puget Pounder right to your door, homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrap, Fireside Home Solutions, the flagship Bellevue location underwent a facelift, and it's beautiful. Fireplaces inside or out, garage doors. Begin your search at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. And the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage, whatever you do, don't be scared away from looking to buy or sell a home here in the Northwest or anywhere else by scary interest rates talk. This is where the cream rises to the top in the mortgage industry. Jordan Flowers and his team, super creative with solutions that you have no idea about until you call. And it costs you nothing. Just five minutes on the phone with Jordan. Talk to him about coaching. Little League, he may surprise you. 425-890-2957. This is episode 246 of Mitch Unfiltered, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. The fact that Julio Rodriguez broke onto the scene was in the All-Star game in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium a year ago. Yeah. Not to mention the home run derby where he captured everybody's attention, right? Sure. And that a year later on a really good team with the game in Seattle, it could be that he makes the next 10 All-Star games. And he makes 11 out of 12 All-Star games. And the one that he didn't make (laughs) is right here in Seattle. Unfiltered. So he's essentially the best offensive player in the sport and one of the five or seven best pitchers in the sport. How by any standard is that not the greatest player in the history of Major League Baseball? And it's hard to argue, but it's hard to say that. The history of Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 246, Hotshot Scott. I saw two different random things in sports as you were on your way over here. Oh, really? Just that short amount of time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I believe you were on your way when I Sorry. saw these things that I thought were interesting that I, I don't even know why I'm bringing them up. They're random and whatever. But from Wimbledon, okay. you're not a tennis guy. I'm not even that much of a tennis guy anymore. I used to love tennis. Didn't you play it in high school? I did. Or? I did play it in high school. I did play it growing up as a, as a wee little guy. Yeah. You know that Wimbledon is going on? Yep. I do Acro- know that. Across the pond? Yeah, yeah. I saw a stat which is almost astonishing. Okay. This close to astonishing. It came up on the television that, you know, there are four Grand Slam major championships in the tennis world. Yes. The last time that American man, 
an American man won one of the big four. Now, before I tell you how many tournaments have gone by, how many grand slams have gone by since an American man, any American man has won a major championship. That is kind of weird. Let's let's remember this isn't soccer like where we're behind. Right, where we're, right, right. Where we were never any good and we're trying to catch up to the rest of the world. We were once really, really good in tennis. Right. Okay. There have been many great American tennis players, many great American major championship tennis players. We're not trying to work our way back <laughs> to the mainstream here. Right. So with that, I'll tell you how many majors it's been since an American man has won it. Okay. 77. Wow. Is that right? Divided by four? 20 years. Whew. 19, 20 years since an American man has won. Now, don't even ask me who it was. Andre Agassi? No, it's probably not Andre Agassi. Michael Chang? Michael Chang. Maybe Michael Chang. I don't know who it is. <laughs> I don't is. know. That's the only two I, I know, know from Michael, It's not Michael Chang. <laughs> okay. He was pretty good for a minute. Seven... How embarrassing yeah. is that? No, that's really We weird. are the United States of a freaking America. <laughs> that's right. Let's go. Get your asses together. But on the female side, yeah. it's like oh, the opposite, yeah. right? I mean, with the oh, Williams sisters. Plenty. Yeah, yeah. we've won plenty. Yeah, yeah. We've won plenty. That's weird. I wonder why. We just can't get off the schneid. There's no good, there have been no great American players. I'm sure you don't know the answer, but I'm just curious who the best American player is right now. Right now. What, what that guy is ranked. I know. You can you even come up with a name, like uh, one American player? There's a guy from Washington, D.C. That's I think we've gotten close to like the semifinals oh, okay. in some of these. Oh, but yeah. And then the other random item, people were talking yesterday or as we record this Saturday about the Tigers no-hitter. Did you see the Detroit Tigers no-hitter? No. They had a combined no-hitter. That's the thing these days because no, no starting pitchers go very deep into yeah. games anymore. So now you get the combined no-hitters where back in the day – when I was around, I'm not around anymore. <laughs> okay. You know, a pitcher just didn't come out. That's right. If he had a no-hitter going, he could throw a I – mean, unless he was Eric Bedard. He didn't come out. <laughs> if he had a no-hitter going – Yeah. He, he His might pride be, ain't going to let him, right? There's no he, way. He'll throw 190 pitches. That's right. Yeah, he's going to finish So the thing. Tigers threw a no-hitter on Saturday. As soon as the Tigers do anything on the mound, it makes me remember probably the biggest injustice – in the history of Major League Baseball in terms of individual accomplishment. Okay. It happened in 2010 to a Detroit Tigers pitcher by the name of Armando Galarraga. Does that name mean anything to you? Only because I was working at KJR with gas. So you know the story. And we were on the air. I'm pretty sure we were on the air really? when it happened. Yeah. Okay, so it, you, know exact, and you know exactly what I'm going to say. The ump blew the call at first, I want to say. You watch that play, and I've now watched it probably a thousand times. I've watched it a hundred times today. Right. <laughs> There's no scenario where he could be seeing anything other than safe, is what you're about to say. It's not like it was even a it wasn't even a bang bang play. Yeah. It how long is the last stride by a base runner to first base? A yard, a yard and a half. How long does a guy, when he really strides, a yard, to three? He hadn't even started the stride yet. Oh my gosh! A perfect game, not a no. That's right. It was a perfect game. A yeah, perfect game. There's only been about 24, 25, 26 of those things in the history of Major League Baseball, and the guy got 26 in a row, 26 up and 26 down, and then on a bouncing ball to Miguel Cabrera, he's covering, and the guy's out. By the distance that you and I are sitting yeah. apart right now. And the umpire calls him safe. And there's no replay. And the guy's oh. perfect game is out the window. Yeah. 
And so when I see that the Tigers threw a no-hitter on Saturday, I'm like, whatever they do for the rest of my life, <laughs> whenever they do anything good, they are deserving. The Tigers are deserving right. <laughs> of any individual accomplishments. Right. And Armando Galarraga, he paid the ultimate price for this for, for these no-hitters. And if you said to me, okay, well, that can't be the biggest injustice, I would say the biggest injustice was, and we talked about it a couple of shows ago because the umpire in question died in our RIP segment. Right. Don Denkinger, do you remember I, we talked about that? Well, it's funny because after that play happened, I was texting Gas the next day before the show and said, we should try to get this guy on because wasn't he involved in a play? I literally looked him up in the white pages and he and answered and he came on. Oh, really? Yeah. He was awesome. Boy, you have an incredible... I was a great producer back in the knowledge. day. Knowledge... Well, no, I wouldn't go there. For, for a show, you know, that really matters. I'm a good producer. You know, I get the good guests. But no, he just answered. He was 1985. home. 1985. Yeah, he was home. 1985, <laughs> game six. Yep. Bang, bang, play. Not even a bang, bang, play at first. Yep. The Cardinals, I think Jack Clark makes the play at first base. It's what, was, what I was going to say was funny is that... Exact same play as Armando Galarraga. The bouncing ball to first where the pitcher raises over to cover. Yep. The Cardinals have him out from me to you. The World Series is over. Cardinals are World Series champs. Denkinger calls him safe for some reason. Yep. The Royals go on to win that game and then win game seven to win the World Series in 19, I think 85. That's right. So are the two biggest injustices in the history of umpiring in Major League Baseball the exact same play, bouncing ball to first base, pitcher covering, play at the at the back. What is that angle th that we can't see? That they like? What are they looking at? I don't have. Any the, idea. There is no. I have no idea. Yeah, because he was the only guy we had to come up with that could even relate to what that umpire with the Armando got with Galarraga, right? Yeah, like he's the only one that can even relate to. And how was like he? That. How was Don Denkinger when you booked him? He was, was great. He did he talk about how he messed the whole yep. thing up? Oh, yeah. He was very forthcoming. And really? Yeah, he was awesome. He blew it. Just blew it. So we wanted to talk and get his perspective. What, what's this umpire going through? And God. Yeah. It was weird that he just was home. <laughs> He's just sitting home and his number's online. I just called him and he answered. If you wanted, if you were going to blow one or the other, which would you prefer to blow? Oh, I know what you were going to say there. Oh, we're talking about the calls. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, I mean, I, you don't want to be part of that World Series. I mean, forget the perfect. The perfect game hurts, but a World Series, yeah, I mean, I that's much bigger. My, my God. It's just a perfect game. That's all. <laughs> I know. There have been less perfect games than World Series winners. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that. That's true. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yep. And with that, our Seattle Mariners go to the All-Star break here in Seattle, the glorious All-Star break, which is going to be unbelievable here in Seattle. Red hot, would you call two out of three over Tampa, really good team. Then two out of three over San Francisco, good team. Mm -hmm. And then three out of four in Houston against the Astros, although they're depleted a little bit. Yeah. Would you call that seven and three over 10 games? Red hot, hot, kind of warm. I'm going hot. Luke that's warm. Hot. That's hot. Red hot. hot would have been like nine and one, right? Okay. Or 10 and no. Yeah. That's hot. They're Momentum. Hot. Momentum. For Let's the go. second year in a row. Mm. The Mariners go to the All-Star break with a lot of momentum. You recall, it was a 14-game winning streak that took them into the All-Star break a yep. year ago. They go to the, the All-Star break here in Seattle, having won 7 out of 10. They're now three back in the loss column of a wild card, although there's a few teams in front of them that they have to skip. They're 45 and 44, and it's time to start considering what you're going to do. What are you going to do, hotshot? 
as we approach the Major League Baseball trade deadline at the end of July. You get the All-Star break to take a breath. I don't think they're going to play until Friday. You restart the year. You're right there in the middle of it. Texas is coming back to the pack. Mm -hmm. Houston's coming back to the pack. Tampa Bay is coming back to the pack. What are you going to do? Are you going to buy, 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 buy? Are you going to sell, 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 sell? Or are you waiting to see what you're going to do over the next 10 days before we get to the right, right there to the deadline to figure it out? Well, didn't I ask you this like maybe three or four weeks ago? And uh, three or four weeks ago, the answer was absolutely do nothing. You're, we're, we're not mortgaging our future for this team. There, there's nothing to, they're not going anywhere. But you could sell. You could sell some of the guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the year yeah. or some of the guys that are not in your future plans. Two names that come to mind, Teoscar Hernandez, who has been pretty good the last month and a half. Yeah. He's actually hitting around 300 in his last 30-something games. Paul Seawald, he's got like 16 saves out of the bullpen. Both of those guys might be able to help someone, and you might be able to get somebody's maybe not top prospect, but somebody's fourth or fifth best prospect, a young guy to go to double A and make your farm system better. Are you doing that? You have to be careful doing that because it sends the message to the fans that eh, we're kind of done with the second half of the year. Do you care that much about the fans? Well, if about I mean, what they think of your. I mean, are you putting on some sort of an act? Or are you do they generate for money the for the team yeah, that can do. help eventually buy players? I mean, yeah, sure, I can. So you're saying that you can't sell under any circumstances? I don't think you can start you selling. Can't That's still a hell any- of a good team. Forget the record. They're a really good team. With some are good- they? Well, they have a lot of talent, wouldn't you say? It hasn't come together this year, but... They're 45 and 44. Right. A hell of a good team? That's There's a lot of talent there, I think, still. I don't know if we're looking to ship people off for prospects. What would you do? Hmm... I don't know. Get back to me on that. <laughs> okay, I'll call you in a little bit. <laughs> Let me put it this way. It's pretty simple what I would not do. I would not make that trade that they've done so many times in the past to rent a player that's only going to be a hired gun right. for the remainder okay. of this year. Yeah. I don't think they're good enough or close enough to being a world championship contender to mortgage a big piece of their future to bring in a guy who's going to be here for 60 games and then he's going to leave. Right. So I'm out. Okay. I'm out, at least as of the moment. Now, you tell me they go they go 16 and 4 in their next 20 games before the deadline or whatever it is. Yeah. 15 and 3. And now they're 13 games over 500. I might give you a different answer and maybe we'll do a podcast at that particular point. Okay. But asking me now, yeah. I am uninterested if I'm the Mariners in acquiring a good player that's at the end of a contract. Now, that's not to say that I wouldn't trade prospects for a good bat that's signed up through next year okay. or maybe two years at least next year that you can close your eyes and seeing being a very important part or piece of your batting lineup in 2024. That I'm open to. Okay, It's, it's the rent-a-player that yeah. everybody does at this time of year yeah. where you're just bringing in a guy for the remainder of the season and then he's going away. I'm out I'm I'm totally as of the moment as of now, yeah. I'm totally out on that. Okay, fair All enough. Right? The other part is a hard one that I asked you. If somebody called me and asked me, "Can we acquire Teoscar Hernandez and here's our fifth best prospect?" If somebody called me and said, "Can we have Paul Seawald? Here's our seventh best prospect, a double A 
second baseman mm-hmm. who projects to be a big leaguer someday. I don't know if I would say yes or no, but I would have a hard time saying no okay. to that trade. Because take them one by one. Let's come back to Hernandez, which I think is a little more controversial than people imagine. Seawald has one more year. He's like 32, 33 years old. They have one more year of club control. So he's not going to be necessarily a free agent. He's salary arbitration eligible at the end of the year. Okay. But they do have control of him. If they want to offer him arbitration, they, they can get Seawald in here next year. I'm just not convinced that they aren't on borrow time with Paul Seawald. I feel like they'd be selling pork bellies as Eddie Murphy did in Trading Places High. On Seawald. I don't know that I trust Seawald in the long run. I don't even know that I trust him in the second half of the season. I'd be intrigued if a team that really needed a closer, you know, a yeah. team in the National League that's like seven games over 500 and maybe they've blown some late inning games and they're like, we got to have somebody to close out a game. Oh, look at that guy Seawald in Seattle's got 16 saves and he's been very good in that yeah. role. Now, would that make you worse for the last half of the year or the last 60? Yeah. Yep. Would that be sending the message that you don't want to send to the fans? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, if we're selling off decent players. I don't know what that package looks like, but if you could get a good solid player or two for Paul Seawald and put Munoz in the closer's role, just kind of flip them. Yeah. I could see the Mariners doing that. Only because, well, not only, but the main reason being you think we're on borrowed time with him, that his so. stock will not be the same in five I, months. And I may be wrong about that. Okay. He may not allow a run the rest of the year. Right. And be the uh, Rolades relief man <laughs> of the year. I don't know if they even have that anymore. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Now, Teoscar Hernandez is, an, is another story. You know, he's on a $14 million one-year contract. He is a free agent at the end of the year, and everybody's been like, well, you trade Teoscar Hernandez if you're out of it because... He ain't coming back. You're yeah. not, you're not. Are you sure about that? Is everybody completely sure about that? Because here's what I know about the offseason that's coming up. Okay. They're going to need some offensive players. Now, I don't know if they're signing their own or signing new guys. I don't know what that market looks like. But here's a guy in Teoscar Hernandez. Let me give you his numbers. He's hitting 250 with 15 home runs going to the All-Star break. Okay. Playing right field. Not well. Not playing right field well. Okay. In his last 30 games, I think he's at about 290. 295 in his last 30 games. He strikeouts an inordinate amount of time like everybody else on this team. Yeah, he's on a $14 million one-year deal. Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year. But you're going to need hitters. If you're not signing him, and maybe you're not, who are you signing? Right. I'm not as convinced as everybody else that it's just a foregone conclusion that he's leaving here next year or that they don't want him back next year. Let's see what he does in the second half of the year. What if he hits in the second half of the year the way he's hit in the last 30 games? 30 games is not three or four or five. He's hitting 330 games. If he hits 290 the rest of the year and his average ends up somewhere about 265, 270, and he ends up hitting 30, 35 home runs, are you sure you're not making a, an effort to bring that guy back to play. Well, not very good right field, but I don't know. He seems to be a little bit more of a enigma to me. A 30 home run guy is pretty good in baseball. Like, wh- of course. Who are you bringing in that's going to do that? He's pretty good in baseball. He's really good here. <laughs> right. Yes, that's right. We don't have many of those guys he, oh, walking around. Yeah, he's Mr. Slugger in that clubhouse. So, yeah. 
I don't know what okay. you do. It's going to be very, very interesting. 14 seems kind of high for him for one year, though. 14? What would we have to pay him to come back? I mean, whatever the market rate is. I mean, how yeah. much is he going to get? I don't know what he's going to get. But look, let's say he's a 30 home run hitter. He's probably not. Let's say he's 20. So it's 27 home runs. Okay. Do we need hitters with him hitting 27 home runs on your team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we still hitters, at least like two hitters uh, short? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, how about if he leaves? Yeah, right. Do we still need the guy? Yeah, it's true. Okay. So now we're <laughs> two short and we just lost 27 home That's runs right. and 90 RBIs. Yeah. Yeah. People do love to say for he's nah, I'm not bringing him back. He's we'll been see. kind of a bust. Yeah. But then again, if you trade him at the deadline to somebody who needs a middle of the lineup guy, yeah. what's the message you're sending your fans? You're worried about the message. I am. Yes. Shoot the messenger. You're worried about the message. You don't want a lame duck second half of the season. We don't need that. Should I bring up the left fielder? Since we're all feeling a little bit better about the Mariners over uh, the last 10 games, should I bring up the left fielder and maybe throw a damp blanket on the optimism surrounding the Mariners? But can't we now say his name since he's not the same player he was earlier? I mean, what does it hurt at this point? Well, let me think about that. (laughs) Okay. We weren't saying his name because we didn't want to, I guess, jinx I don't, it. I, you know, I don't want to bring it up. Okay. I don't want to tell you what he's hitting over the last 38 games. Why not? I, I mean, don't want to tell you how many strikeouts he has over the last 38 games. Does he have to go work on something in AAA? Again? 180. Really? 180. Yeah. Uh, he's got one home run. In 38 games? In 38 games. Month and a half. He has struck out 60 of his 133 at-bats. Wow. He's going for it. He's trying for home runs. Just not connected. Is his biggest play ever the the walk where the, the winning run came in that one game? Is that maybe his biggest play? No, his biggest play was the home run at Wrigley Field in Chicago that went over everything that people said. We've never seen a ball hit up there in our lives. Oh, I've okay. never seen that in my life. <laughs> right. All right. Fine. Angel dust. You know what this stuff does to kids? I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> I, I, I do Dan miss... Dan Ackert. So there's, two, there's two trading places references in one segment. One there segment. In the 80s when every cop could put their pinky in whatever drug it was, <laughs> taste it, know exactly what it was. I miss that. <laughs> I want everybody to take out your bills. Somebody has taken... Oh, yeah, and pass it to the right uh, yeah. or the left or something. Whatever, yeah. whatever that was. Such a good there's, an, there's an a red X. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> didn't those two uh, Mortimer and whatever his name was? Didn't yeah, they, Mort- Duke. Duke. The didn't they Duke show brothers. up in uh, the other, the Arsenio Hall, uh, Coming to America? Didn't they oh, show up in Coming to America? They had a cameo. Now you've gone out my out of my domain. So at the end, that or yeah, at the end, Eddie Murphy's character walks by him. He's a different character. Yeah. And there's these two homeless guys under tarps. Oh. And he throws them a little money. Oh, yes. Yes, I think I know that. That was a nice little Eddie Murphy universe of everything coming together. I love that kind of stuff. Three interviews on this episode 246 that Hotshot will hear in March of 2024. It's going to be awesome. And then the other stuff segment. Hey, let's check in with the president of Zeke's Pizza, Mr. Dan Black. Hiya, Dan. How's everything going over there? Doing good, Mitch. How are the eastern spots, the two spots that are furthest away from headquarters, Spokane and Boise doing? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. We didn't quite know how difficult that was going to be and how much the brand would be known and stuff. And it's been great. The new location on the outskirts of Boise and Eagle is just going crazy. And we were happy that, you know, there's a lot of people that knew about Zeke's down there and 
you know, there's a lot of people that don't still, and, and we're working on that, but the location's been busy. It's got a great patio. So as summer kicks in there, it's getting even more amped up. Same thing in Spokane. They have a great patio. It got really popular for Gonzaga basketball games mm -hmm. in particular and your favorite basketball <laughs> coach on earth. Um, but you yeah, know, so no, we're, we've been, we've been really happy with the two locations that are, you know, really outside of our core. So, so far so good. I need a summertime beer selection. I understand you've got two new collaborations in your vast library at Zeke's. Yeah, no, we've got two awesome ones this summer. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, what we call collabs a lot, which is just a fancy term for saying that we have relationships with most of the great breweries in the Northwest and they often brew beers that are exclusive to us. And we call those collabs. And so when we say collab, it just means that it's a beer that really you can only get at Zeke's and a brewery. One's already going, it's called the Reach Pilsner and it's got a good backstory. I think I've mentioned that Tom and Doug founded Zeke's because they didn't like working for Arthur Anderson and writing code. And of course, they knew that the Internet and computers would never be big anyway. So they started <laughs> started a pizza company. But, you know, part of the reason they started their own business so they could windsurf at the gorge. And the reach actually refers to a stretch of the Columbia where they windsurf. And our partner on that is a brewery called Ferment. The head brewer down there is really great at Pilsners. And we like Pilsners because they're easy drinking. They're low alcohol. Even you could handle a couple of those. And so, uh, so the Reach Pilsners going right now, it's an easy drinking summer beer. And then we're doing a re-rack of the one we did with Fremont Brewing last summer. So in July, we'll have another version of the Z-Side IPA, which will definitely be too aggressive for you, Mitch. So stay away from that one. <laughs> so yeah, we got the Pilsner going right now, the Reach Pilsner, and then we got Z-Side coming up in July and they're both really good. It's quite a selection of beer at Zeke's Pizza. You know Zeke's Pizza for, for their great Northwest style crust and pizza, but boy, what a beer selection that continues to grow and grow. We love Zeke's Pizza, an incredible partner of Mitch Unfiltered, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Jones with a high drive to left field. Gardner back, and that one is gone! Our next guest became a very sore topic for Mariners fans on February 8th, 2008. I remember talking to him. He was 18 years old. He was a first-round draft choice out of high school. The five-tool player could do it all. He was earmarked for stardom right here in the Northwest. And then he became a former Mariner. Why? Because of the name Eric Bedard, which is still nails on a chalkboard for so many of us. Here he is, my guy, Adam Jones. How are you, Adam? I got no complaints. I got no complaints. Uh, it's just, obviously, it's, it's bittersweet. You know, it's crazy. I went around, I went around the sweet area yesterday and I was looking for myself because they had so many different players. Couldn't find myself or Eric Bedard. So I ran into one of the old PR guys, Sean. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, there's not me or Bedard. Like, are you guys just totally trying to uh, erase the history of me and Bedard? And he's, <laughs> he just stopped in his tracks and started laughing. Oh, gosh. Adam is in uh, in the Seattle area for the All-Star festivities. He played in the softball game on Saturday night. What do you remember, Adam? What do you remember about that February day? You were, what, 22 years old? How do you yep. remember finding out you were traded? And was there disappointment? Or when you're 22 years old, you're kind of 
impenetrable. You you can do anything. Well, I was on my way to Vegas at the time, and I got a call from uh, the Orioles GM at the time, Andy McPhail, and I'm like, he's like, hey, welcome to our organization, and I'm like, what? Okay, <laughs> I guess it went through. And I said, can you give me, you know, I, I know I'm going to talk to the brass. Can you give me an hour so I get to Vegas? And I set up a whole meeting with the brass. But you know what? I was taught in the minor leagues early that when you're in the minors, you're playing for 29 teams. When you're in the big leagues, you're playing for that team. You're playing for the big league team. When you're in the minors, you're playing for everybody else because things happen. Trades happen. You have to understand that it's never personal. It's just business. And I learned that early that it's just business. So I never took it personal. You know, people can think what they want about how trades and how people oh, I took it personal. I, me personally, it was a chance to go play every single day. And the Mariners at the time, Bedard finishing back-to-back 200 strikeout seasons with King Felix. Come on. That's a, that's a one-two punch that is, is about as good as it gets. But I guess, you know, nah. <laughs> I didn't do the 200 innings. So it, it just it just changed the dynamics. But I mean, I can't deny the trade because Bedard was a hell of a player at the time. I was 20, 22, hungry, you know, and I was fortunate to go and play a long, you know, a long time in Baltimore. Yeah, it's just a blessing. You know, you can't you can't hate on anybody how, how things work. I just took advantage of an opportunity to go play every single day and bless for it. You had to be excited to at least go from Safeco Field as a hitter to Camden Yards. I mean, in those days, and still now, but in those days, Safeco Field, there was no more difficult place to hit. And maybe Camden Yards, there was no better place to hit as a hitter, right? Oh, my goodness. Come on. Going from, you got these massive ballparks in the West, that cool marine layer that comes in at night. No, thank you. The East is true. You got Yankee Stadium is three fourteen right field. You got Camden short porch right and left at the time. Now left field, you got to be freaking Conan the Barbarian to hit the ball out of that field. Um, but no, the East was great. All the fields were fantastic. The cities were great. You I mean I get to go to Toronto and I get to go to New York, Boston. It's just some great cities that are mixed in there. And again, it was a blessing that I took advantage of. It wasn't. Something that was, I got traded, you know, the piece that got traded. No, I was a person that I took it. I took great advantage of great opportunities. And going to Baltimore yep. was an absolute fantastic opportunity. And trust me, every time I came back to Seattle, I never forgot the people that supported me in Tacoma. Then when I got called up, yeah, never forgot that. Even to this day, there's still a lot of people that are here and I sign for them every time I can. So it's just, it's just a, um, it's just a, a turn of the world. I, last night I was at the softball game wearing a Mariners jersey with an Orioles hat. So ah. that was, that, it all came full circle. You want a little Adam Jones trivia? Yeah. A trivia? What kind of trivia I got for myself? I got I got you one. I got you one. What was your career batting average at Safeco Field? And what was your career batting average at Camden Yards? You want to take a guess? Probably the same. No, actually, I mean. <laughs> I don't Be careful now. It's probably the same. No. It's probably the same. Uh, Safeco. I know I got some. I got some late inning home runs here. I probably stand like two eighty here. You were two sixty one lifetime okay. at Safeco, and you were two eighty eight lifetime at Camden Yards. So twenty seven. I, I didn't take the walks, man. If, 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 if I could, if, if I could walk, if I learned, if I could walk, oh my goodness, uh, my career would have been so much better. But I had the athleticism. If I swung at it, I felt I could hit it, even though if it was in the Puget Sound, I felt I could hit it. <laughs> well, you know what? You and, you and I were texting yesterday about your golfing at uh, at Aldera, and while you were 
while you and I were texting, I looked up your first home run. I watched the video of your first yeah. home run in Texas, an opposite field home run. I, I don't remember who it was against, but I, here's what I do Adam remember. Eaton. Adam Eaton. Here's what I do remember. God, you ran around the, the base paths fast. That was way too fast. Of a tra- I think you may no. have broken her. Uh, come on, that was way too fast. Doing Adam Rosales right there. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I hit it. It was a line drive to right field. I didn't know if it was gone, and yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I had young legs back then. I had young, young fresh legs. I mean, nothing hurt. I can run around in bases easy. Yeah, that was, yeah, I remember that. And I remember the best part, they threw it They threw it back. They didn't hold it. They didn't get held hostage. Yeah. I heard this, the, the stadium like, yeah. So I looked back and they threw it back. And uh, I get to the dugout and they have the ball. And I'm like, this, yeah, this is cool. I don't got to do all this stuff for a ball. <laughs> Where's the ball? It's at my mom's house. Nice. Nice. Still. Let me ask you a question. When you watch Julio, yeah, you see any of yourself in Julio? I mean, I mean, he's better. <laughs> he's better. All facets. I mean, he's he's stronger, younger, younger, stronger. I mean, more tools. Just this generation is just so talented. And when he finally got called up, I just I, I you know was in awe of him. I went and met him last year at the All Star game. Yeah, before the Home Run Derby, and I just like grabbed him, like just like just like. Grab his shoulders, grab his. It's like, damn, you built like a damn middle linebacker, bro. You're 21 years old. I mean, and it just, I'm just in awe. I'm in awe of these, the new era. People always say compare, compare. It's, you can't compare. It's different. It's, they're different. It's a different hunger. But when I watch Julio, I just see the next generational Andrew Jones, is what I see. Mm. A guy that can, man, I think he can manage center field for the next 10, 15 years. Obviously, he got a 38-year contract, so he's going he's gonna to have time to to go through it. <laughs> but no, I, I, I see I, I see a leader yeah. when I when I watch him. Yeah. You know, more than just a, you see a player, I see a leader. I see a guy who can take over this entire Mariners organization, put it on his back. That's what I see when I see Julio, and it's been Griffey, it's been and A Rod, it's been Ichiro, it's been a big gap in between. Felix was supposed to be that. I just think I think Julio right now is is uh, is a franchisable guy, and they locked him up for for franchisable fee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I, I'm in, I, I'm just a fan. I'm just a big 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 fan of, of watching him play, and I, everything he does, I love I love seeing him. I just love seeing him out there on the field grinding. Well, all of us were big fans of yours. 14 years, nearly 300 home runs, five All Star games, four Gold Gloves. You hit 260. With 16 home runs as a 33-year-old in Arizona. 260 with 16 home runs as a 33-year-old. And then you went to Japan, and I had no idea until last night that you're Mr. Thanksgiving. What what the, what, what, what the hell is all that about, Adam? You feel me? <laughs> uh, ben Verlander, he, he coined me Mr. Thanksgiving because in Japan, they make sure that they play all the games. It doesn't matter how they stretch out, and they don't play doubleheaders. So they can't consolidate their season. My last swing, a home run <laughs> in Japan on Thanksgiving night. And right after that, uh, I was like, I was like, this is my last swing. My career's done. I'm done. I'm done after this. So like, I went to have some good Japanese yakiniku and mailed it in. Some people always say, oh, you should be playing. You could be playing. The athlete knows when it's time. And I was fortunate enough to be able to wean myself out opposed to a lot of guys just don't get jobs and have to just retire. 
Um, but Japan was, again, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. And I recommend it for every player that has the opportunity to go to Japan, go to Japan and experience such a great culture and food where and you, whiskey. Where do you live? Barcelona. What's yeah. that all about? International is great. The United States, what am I missing? I'm not missing anything in the United States. I'm not missing anything. I can watch the news cycle and I can see all the crap that's going on. Yeah. I'm not missing anything. Nothing. There's nothing here that I'm missing. I'm like, uh, you know what? Let's go live in Japan. I mean, I'm sorry, but let's go live in Barcelona. Let's go travel all over Europe. Let's go travel all over Africa. It's right there. I'm not missing anything in the United States. A lot of my friends, they retire, live in these big ass houses and they just coach their kids. I told my kids, I ain't coaching you in nothing. We about to live. We about to travel this world. Hold on a second. Big ass houses. Yeah. Did you buy Cal Ripken's house? That was a big ass house. <laughs> did you buy Cal Ripken's house? I did. I did. Yep. Did you buy Cal Ripken's a, house because it was Cal Ripken's house or because it was so small? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a little, I mean, it was a little bit of piece of property, you know, a little, little, little property outside the city. I, I bought it. You know, it's crazy. I bought it thinking that somehow, some way I'll stay in Baltimore. And like, I think it was a little thing in the back of my mind, like somehow, some way, but that didn't work out. Obviously I was in the house for eight months and was able to sell it. It had everything a guy needs. Everything. How big? Everything. How big? Uh, 21,000 square feet. But the living spaces were uh, under 10. It's in a full court basketball. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a damn 24-hour fitness. <laughs> you had a gym and then a basketball court. And then a, it looked like a damn 24-hour fitness. you make money on the sale? No, because <laughs> I learned that when you buy when you buy and sell under under two years, you get hit harder than tax penalty. <laughs> I learned that. See, these are all the things baseball has taught me. This is all the things that baseball taught me. So I didn't make any money on the sale. I didn't lose much. So I learned, I learned that you got to hold on to the property. You can't just, you can't just flip them like that unless it's a different kind of loan and all this other stuff. Two last questions. Six years, 85 million in, in 2012 for the, for the great young center fielder of the Baltimore Orioles. Six years, 85 million. What would that contract be today if you were that age right now, let's say becoming a free agent? I mean, maybe throw some more years and then throw a one in front of the eight. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe double it. It's it's a different era, and you know, obviously, these owners are making hand money handled fists. A lot of people always said, if you waited this long, if you waited, you could have got the Ellsbury and the Chu contract. I'm like, look, I ain't grow up like Ellsbury or Chu. I ain't grow up with with no money. Okay, you offer the kid from the inner city a chance to change his life, not just his, but his family's life forever. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm signing. I'm on board. If I waited a year and a half later, if I played another 200 games, I would have, could have, would have, the way I played, hey, look, it. you want to work out something? Let's do it. And it was, it, it was perfect. I don't regret anything. Mm -hmm. I remember the day I signed that contract and I remember the reaction my mom had and my family had. And I told them, hey, look, it. our family is about to ascend and we're going to put ourselves in a different echelon. We're going to be educated. We're going to we're going to we're going to be different. And it's happened. And that's because the Orioles made a commitment to me. And I was smart enough and not like, oh, I need this. I need I need to get more. Setting a barometer for somebody for some somebody else. I set the barometer for myself. A lot of guys before me have had contract offers and have had them taken away. No. No, this is this is too much of too too much fruit for me to uh to let go again it could have been it would have been great of course to get double of course 
I'm not mad. Yeah. I still eat at uh, uh, El Gaucho. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not like it's not like things have changed in my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh dear. How's life after baseball for you? You know, you're still a really young guy. You got a long, long journey ahead. Are you okay with uh, with uh, staying busy? I mean, you got a lot of money, but are you staying busy? You staying active? You staying challenged? Yes, I work with MLB. They have a new ambassadors program, and it's a big group of guys, former players that just are trying to spread the good word of the game. You know, guys that just I played against that are fantastic: Jimmy Rollins, Brian Howard. Obviously, CC is the head of the entire. Uh, group, Dylan Batances, Jed Lowry. Yeah. Just guys who are just awesome guys. And okay. I golf a lot. Um, <laughs> I play a lot of paddle tennis in Spain, P-A-D-E-L, the, that with the, you know, the racquetball yeah. inside, which you got the walls hit off of. And I just try and stay in shape doing that. I walk the courses over in Europe because they're a little shorter, and that's how they do it in Europe. They walk. If you take a buggy, they call them buggies. If you take a golf cart, they frown upon you so bad. I'm like, do you not see the slopes and you have to walk? It's like a straight heel up and down. I'm not walking that. But I tell them, too, I'm like, hey, I play baseball, man. My hip hurts. I ain't trying to, I'm not trying to walk no no 15,000 steps just to prove a point to you guys. I get it. You guys drinking your wine and <laughs> having cigars on the course. You, all you guys want to be Miguel Angel Cabrera. I get it. I want to be him, too. So, <laughs> so, you know, that's the way I stay in shape. I met a lot of cool people out in Spain and, you know, it's just the active life and active food, better food out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't indulge on a, a big T-bone steak. I just get myself a nice, my birical ham and some cheese. <laughs> what'd, you changing. Sh- what'd you shoot at Aldera? 101. What? Yeah, bro. <laughs> hey, it's it's narrow. I, I I always shoot bad first time at a new course. Okay. It was narrow. I had to be like, my game is not fit for narrow Northwest <laughs> golf. My game is fit for Arizona, wide open. Yes. I can find it in the desert next to a rattlesnake golf. <laughs> that's that's what I'm fit for. This Northwest golf. Oh my uh, goodness. It, uh, it was tight. The trees. I thought the trees would help me knock the ball down. Uh, it doesn't help when you're hitting over the trees. It doesn't help that. It didn't help. So <laughs> it was no, but the course was fantastic. We golfed with Kevin. I got that. I can't remember his last name. Yeah. But he was fantastic host for me, CCJ Rowe and uh, Scott Harrison. And we had just a fantastic time. Beautiful course. Fantastic Bloody Mary, by the way. Yeah. Miss, uh, I, think it was, I think it was Julie who made the Bloody Mary for me. Salute to you, Julie, at the course. Um, but it was it was just a, it was just a great time and just absolutely beautiful to get out there. Weather was perfect as always up here in the Northwest. All right, last question. Let's see what kind of answer you give me. I like to ask guys like you who had great careers, long careers, made a lot of money, set your family up. If you could snap your fingers and have anything back, you can do one thing over. One thing that you can change, you can change. It could be a performance in a game. It could be a decision off the field, on the field. It could be something with a teammate or an organization. You can snap your fingers and do one thing over. What would Adam Jones do over again? I would have re-signed either Cruz or Mark Akers in 2014. Both were, both were free agents. We just came off winning the East and we let Nelson go to Seattle for 456 and we let Nick go to 444 to four years uh, Atlanta so four years 44 56 million. million and four years 44 million you you remember the contracts those guys got I remember the contract I'm still pissed right now now you bring it up because 
those are two players that our doctors were saying the fourth year would be detrimental. Yeah. Markakis made his all-star game, made an all-star game, his first career all-star game in the fourth year of that contract. Uh-oh. Nelson had 40 and 100 three of the four years. Mm-hmm. The, and the one he didn't have 40, he had 39. Mm-hmm. Here. Are you kidding Here me? Here at Safeco in, Field. In Seattle. Yeah. With the Marine Lair. <laughs> he had 44 in Baltimore. Like, come on. One of them two should have resigned. They should have resigned them. But again, it's business. It's the nature of the game. I'm not a GM. I'm not the person in charge. But again, as a player, you always you always look back and be like, these kind of decisions could have changed. These, you know, you look back at all all these other things, and you know, that to me always sticks out because of what those two guys meant to me personally. Marquez, obviously, he was the elder statesman with Baltimore when I got traded there. He was the guy I looked up to. Um, and then Cruz, so I played with him my entire career in the minors and to the big leagues. He was a guy that I knew what he brought in value to the organization. I know he was had he was going through that the steroid stuff at the time, but right. he came to the Orioles, unbelievable. Yeah. And we, oof, I still look at that because we were in a bubble. Our team was in that was in a was in a bubble, and it was our time to do to make a move, to make a big move, and we didn't. And uh, you know, that's part of it. That's, that's, that's just part of certain organizations that just that off season, 14 off season. I just was like, damn, mm. man. I remember <laughs> being impressed by you as an 18 year old. I'm equally, if not more impressed with you at whatever you are, 50, 55, 60. Years. <laughs> I'll be All 38 right. soon. I'll be 38 right. in a couple of weeks. Here's my guarantee for coming on <laughs> Mitch unfiltered. And reminiscing with me, here's my guarantee. You said you don't play courses well the first time. So your next time from Barcelona, I don't know when you'll be in Seattle again. What will bring you here? Something will bring you here. You you text Mitch, and we'll go out, and you'll improve upon that 101, and I'll buy you another Bloody Mary after the round, all right? Hey, now you got me. You got me. You got me. You got me. I'm coming back. I'm coming back out there. I'm coming back. I'm going I'm to I'm learn how to use those irons because a couple of those I can't drive. I'm just going to use the irons later. Play the course management. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Great to talk to you. Always, brother. It's been a while since we caught up with Jordan Flowers, my main man of the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. How's everything going in Jordan's world? Hey, Mitch, it's going fantastic. I'm uh, chasing old Mitchie in the <laughs> Manager of the Year Award for Little League Baseball. How many teams you got over there? You know, I was the manager of two, both my 10 and 8-year-old. Uh-huh. And I got to say, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be giving you a run for your money, Combined man. Combined record? Oh, gosh, we only lost probably six games. Oh, that's six season. more than I lose. I don't lose. Hey, hey, hey. All right, let's talk about the market, the buying and selling market. It's not easy these days, but it's still doable, especially for home buyers. Give us your analysis, Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, Inventory is still a little tight, but better than it was. But we are winning a lot of offers and using that 2-1 buy-down program we've talked about. Tell me about that program. Yes. So basically what we do is we are negotiating with the sellers, getting a price that they want, getting a credit towards uh, closing costs for our buyers. And they use that credit to then temporarily buy down the interest rate for the first two years of the home. So we get through this kind of elevated interest rate period with a 2% lower rate than what market is at. Are people still buying second homes and investment pieces? And what do you have to offer those types of 
clients. Yeah, people are buying in Arizona, California, Eastern Washington, kind of all over. We're hoping people buy second homes and investment properties. We've got a couple great options for the investment property buyer, uh, especially uh, using that debt service underwriting ratio that we've talked about in the past where they don't even need to provide tax returns. Really what we look for is qualifying our buyers off of the cash flow of the property. So it's a great program right now for people looking to pick up investment properties at good prices, get an income producing property. Is there a way to have a best guess of what the next six months or a year look like? Does Jordan Flowers have a crystal ball? <laughs> I thought I had a crystal ball, but you know. <laughs> Is it Ernie Zampezi story? I'm not going to say when. I'm just going to know it's coming, right? <laughs> like We're going to get through this, and they're coming back down. I think I think we should expect for the rest of this year rates to maintain in the 6% range. Maybe we see them by the end of the year get back down in the fives. But I will say when they do come back into the low sixes to mid fives, it will, again, open up floodgates for buyers and for sellers bringing properties on. So there is pent-up demand. It's sitting there, and it's just we're we're waiting. Well, I've always loved Jordan Flowers and his team at uh, both companies, not cross-country mortgage, the Woodenville office, because they're willing to take your phone call and be creative. Think outside the box. And to reach you on a phone that doesn't have a full voicemail, Jordan Flowers? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I just got a new phone. Okay. My kids like to tease me that I'm the no upgrader. Okay. I don't upgrade my phone. Okay. I've had the same one for six years. All right. And I've now upgraded and I'm setting up the voicemails. Everything's going to be Phone number? Here. Same phone number? Give us the number, please. 425-890-2957 is the best one to reach me on. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage and J-Flow, Jordan Flowers, without... Guys like him and companies like theirs, where would Mitch Unfiltered be? Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. De La Cruz, right center. Down base hit. Could he go three? Indy are on third. India scores. It's a cycle. The All-Star break is here. Always fired up to talk with our next guest. He's the former Mets general manager, baseball face and voice, Sirius XM, the MLB network on TV. I say the more Steve Phillips, the merrier. A ray of Mariners optimism here with baseball dignitaries all descending upon our city. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Coming to the end of the first half. We got the all-star game coming. A lot of good things going on. I'm glad that you... Just said end of the first half because people get on me when I say we're at the mid break, even though we've played more than 81 games. I'm glad a baseball guy. See, now they won't get on me as much anymore. Now, <laughs> good, good. I'm here for you. <laughs> Anything else you say they get on you for, let me sort of protect you. I'll be the buffer for you. <laughs> All right. Before we put our Mariners heads on your shoulders, let's get some fun stuff out of the way first. Next 10 years, you're the GM of a baseball team. You've got your choice, De La Cruz or Julio. Ooh, yeah. I'm taking Ellie, <laughs> I'm taking Ellie De La Cruz. Are you? Yeah, yeah. You're going to make people upset here in the Northwest. Well, you know, part of it's the position, right? Part of it's the position. You know, I'll take the shortstop. I mean, here's the thing. I'll take both. 
In fact, I, I won't. I don't, if you, I'd rather not choose. I'll take both and come back to be a gem with both of those on my team. Look, they're both going to be stars. I mean, Julio's having a tough sophomore year. I think that league's made some adjustments. He's, you know, he's figuring out slowly how to make some adjustments back. But what I love is he still has a smile on his face and he's going out there loving the game and playing it. And that's a really good sign. Ellie Dela Cruz is a guy that at one point, he had a one game in which he had two balls put in play over 117 miles per hour. He had a game in which he threw the ball across the infield at 99 miles per hour, which, by the way, were the hardest hit ball, two balls in the game. Nobody else in baseball had hit two hard hit balls at 117 or harder uh, in one game. Nobody had thrown the ball across the infield as fast as him. And he had the second fastest time from home to third on a triple of any player in Major League Baseball. Corbin Carroll had the fastest. I mean, this kid is everything. And he's a baseball player, the instincts, you know, the, the fact that on, on Saturday, he singled, stole second, stole third and stole home on two pitches. I mean, is just, it's, it's, he has such instincts to play the game too. So it's close, but I'll take Ellie Dela Cruz. I'm going to defend you here for a minute before you get all the hate mail from Seattle. Here's the difference between the two guys where I see it. I can't figure out who to compare De La Cruz to. I can't come up with it. A 6-5 switch hitting shortstop who runs like the wind and has that kind of power. You might say Alex Rodriguez, but he wasn't a switch hitter. He didn't run right. like this guy. No. I, I mean, Julio is a great, is going to be a great center fielder for many years to come, but we could go through a long list of center fielders that he remind great center fielders that he reminds you of. If somebody was dropped in from outer space and said, Steve, I've not seen De La Cruz play, who does he remind you of? What would you say? Yeah, I honestly, there isn't anybody really. I mean, I mean, even finding the player who would be the comp at a different position is hard to find as well. Like you can look at Julio Rodriguez, think Eric Davis is a good comp for him, right? Going to hit for power, going to steal bases, that athleticism to cover the ground in the outfield. I mean, for Dela Cruz, you're talking switch hitting and that ability to run and the ability to hit for power and to play shortstop uh, or third. I mean, that's the other thing. And here's the thing, you know, Matt McClain with Cincinnati, He's a superstar too. the young kid they've called up like he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so and they've got Spencer Steer. The Reds are really going to be an exciting team. They are right now, but they're only going to get more exciting as these kids continue to grow. OK, non Mariners subject number two. How many times has somebody asked you in the last few months if Shohei Otani is the best baseball player of all time? I have a hard time understanding how he isn't, but I need to know, A, where you stand on that. There's going to be a lot here, so see if you remember. I'm testing your memory. Yeah. Where, where do you stand on that fun radio conversation? B, is somebody just going to say, we're going to give him $75 million a year? And what do the Angels do as these last 15 days of July transpire? And they're slipping. They're fading a little bit. So he is the best player to ever play the game. Better than Babe Ruth. Uh, Babe Ruth didn't do what he's doing. Babe Ruth was a pitcher primarily with the Red Sox and a hitter almost exclusively with the Yankees. I think he pitched in one game when he was a Yankee. And so, you know, Shohei Otani is the only player in baseball history to have 100 strikeouts as a pitcher and 20 home runs as a batter in a single season. And he's done it three times right now. Now, yeah, people will say, well, he hasn't done it for long enough. And I get that argument. I do. I understand it. 
but but nobody's ever done this with what he's doing. So he is unique, the unicorn. And and I didn't think he could do it for three years, let alone, you know, what he's looking for, which will be a 10-year contract that he's looking for. So uh look, somebody's gonna give him the money. I don't know if it'll be 75 million a year, but I think his contract's gonna start with a six. And so I think you can easily defend that he's a $30 million hitter and a $30 million pitcher. Therefore, $60 million a year times 10 is going to get him to $600 million. I wouldn't give it to him. No. I wouldn't give it to him. I know. I, I think the risk is too substantial. I just, nobody's ever done it. Uh, what he's doing is unbelievable. And yes, he's done it for longer than I thought. I'm not going to believe that he can do it for 10 more years without his body breaking down or his mind breaking down. I mean, the wear and tear is phenomenal on this. And, and once, once he becomes just a hitter or just a pitcher, if that happens, now he's only worth half of the money that you're half of the right. 60 million that you're giving. Right. right? Yeah. Right. I'd rather sign three $20 million players than give one guy 60 million. Okay. I just would. Okay. Uh, we saw a Ron get the big contract. He went to Texas. He won the MVP. They were a last place team. One player does not, you can't build around only one player. You need to have more to be able to do it. Now, see, I've been asked. Yeah. So see, right. Is he going to get traded? He should get traded. The angels have no chance to sign him because if they did, they would have already. Like what would, they waiting for like why would you not have negotiated with him now he may want to wait but there would be one more dodger dollar there would be one more met dollar one more padre dollar one more cub dollar then there will be angel dollar the angels already have trout and rendon the rendon signing killed them they gave him money that could have gone to otani it was a horrible decision uh but you know it would be malpractice for the angels not to trade otani it's malpractice i mean why would you not trade him? You're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, you're fading. You don't have Mike Trout for at least four weeks and probably six, maybe eight. Uh, you're not going to make the playoffs. You've got to trade him and get whatever you can for him. And then if you want him, sign him. If you want, if you think you can get him, sign him. But use that collateral and that depth to be able to bring in talent because you're going to need a lot of young guys to play around Trout and Rendon and Otani anyways. So you, your best chance to win with him is to trade him, then re-sign him, and have that pool of players that you can play around. Would you get the biggest package of compensation in the history of rent-to-players. I'm not talking about guys that you bring in at the deadline that you have two or three more years of. I'm talking about these guys that have come in as hired guns strictly for the remainder of that year and then become free agents. You would imagine if he can help somebody both on the mound and in the middle or at the top of an order, he should get the biggest compensation of players. Absolutely, because you're, you're, at, you're literally training for two players. Because you're getting the best pitcher available in the market. Yeah. And you're getting the best hitter available in the market. Uh, and effectively, if you if you sold you know, look, it's like it's like a car. If you sell it, if you cut it up and sell it by the parts, you're gonna make more money. And he is the best pitcher, the best hitter available. You know, I think with that, you deserve the package of a rental pitcher and a rental position player. Absolutely. It should be the biggest rental return we've ever seen. Steve Phillips, I buried the lead. The Mariners were a bases-loaded, no-out meltdown on Saturday away from sweeping four in Houston against the depleted Astros. We understand that. They've been the epitome of mediocrity for the first 99 games, 45 and 44, but they're still within an arm's length. Three in the loss column from the wild card. They've got the starting pitching to put a big streak 
you know, together. That's what that's what streaks are made of. A good stretch of starting pitching and some timely hitting. So kick DePoto to the curb for a minute and take his spot. Steve Phillips, what are you doing? How are you approaching these 15 days if you're the Mariners? Well, you've, you've got to you've got to really try to get out of the out of the break hot and start playing well. But I'm looking to buy. But I ideally I'd love to buy for just beyond this year. But I think you need to add offense because offense has been the biggest issue for this team. Uh, you know, you need to get some bats. You need consistent offensive production, which they just haven't had. Now, the question is, where do you play that? Uh, you know, Wong has killed you at second base this year offensively. Uh, did such a disappointment after what was a really good season for him last year. You know, and I get everybody sort of not produced the way they did. Suarez hasn't been quite as good. You miss Hanneker when he's healthy a little bit. Uh, Julio's not been as good. You need to add somebody. Ideally, I'd love somebody you can control if you can do it. Even by adding someone, you're not going to be enough if you don't have your good players play well. You need those guys to hit. Julio's got to step it up. Uh, the big dumper's got to get it going a little bit behind the plate. And, and Wong's got to get it going. Now, you're probably going to look at outfield. You're probably going to look at second base to try to add pieces to get yourself going there. Uh, and the question is, there's going to be more pitching available than hitters right now uh, at the deadline. You know, Jamer Candelario is going to be available from the Nationals. I don't know that that's enough to move the needle. I don't know what the Mets are going to do. You know, you've got Starling Martin Canna that can be had, but there's some contract there. But I do think that that that's where I would look primarily is trying to add some offense. You wouldn't trade Seawald if somebody came calling. You wouldn't trade Teoscar Hernandez, who's a free agent at the end of the year. That's an unfair question for me to ask you on July 9th because they could lose, they could lose, you know, 10 of their next 15 and be in a vastly different situation. It's a conversation yeah. that's different at the deadline. So I think that the position they're in is you've got to consider talking to people that if we don't play well out of the break, then we might have these guys available to sell. And if we're playing well, we're going to buy in this area. I think that that's okay. they're sort of in that in-between area. If you're going to be hopeful, you're really excited. They're playing better. They need to add offense. They're right. going to go for it. They're within right. striking distance. But you're right. A bad week out of the break for any of these teams in the mix, right. you know, in the central divisions or in the wild card races, and they could find themselves falling out of it. So, Steve, let me ask you a, what some people here would call a blasphemous question. Okay. Okay. And I'm not just talking about at the deadline. I'm also talking about in the offseason to come. Jerry DePoto, whether he'll admit it or not, clearly has financial handcuffs when it comes to acquiring free agents. They've done a good job of re-upping the guys on the team. Castillo, they gave him big money. They gave Julio big money really early. But when it comes to paying players in free agency to come somewhere else from somewhere else... He clearly is handcuffed. Yeah. So the blasphemous question is this. They're sitting here around with Castillo signed up. They're going to get Ray back someday. Brian Wu looks really good. Bryce Miller looks really good when he comes back from the bl blister. You're sitting here with Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, two tremendous young pitchers. All-star caliber, one's going, one's not, but he's red hot, the one that's not going. Do you ever think about balancing your roster by moving a guy like Gilbert, 
who I would think in the offseason would like four more years of club control and you're paying them peanuts, you should be able to do some some good work on your offense, on your on your yeah. lineup. Is that just yeah. crazy? So, Is that crazy? No, no, it's not. It's not. You know, when you're building a team, it's not often that your pitching and position players development happen at the same pace. And there are times when you might have to rob Peter to pay Paul. You might have to trade some pitching to get some offense to balance the depth and needs of your team moving forward. Now, I would exhaust every other way to do it without having to trade those pitchers. Ideally, I'd like to be able to find ways. Like I would trade Wu uh, and, and, and Hancock and some other guys to potentially get that guy. So I'm not impacting my major league team as much. But you have to keep an open mind about it. You do. I mean, back in the day, the Tampa Bay Rays did that. Back with Joe Madden, I think they traded away Bartlett, the shortstop, to get Matt Garza from the Minnesota Twins, and they needed the pitching depth at the time. Uh, there were times when in, in Kansas City, you know, the position players, Mustakis and Hosmer and those guys were ahead of where the pitching was. They, they, they traded to get Johnny Cueto. And so there are you've got to consider those sorts of things to be able to do it. I think that right now – Pittsburgh, even in the draft, has to consider what they're doing. Were their position players or ahead of their pitchers? So do they take a pitcher instead of a position player with the, in the first pick of the draft? Mm-hmm. I think the Orioles right now, their position players are ahead of their pitchers. They've got to consider trading some offense to bring in pitching. So I think you have to consider all of those options. And maybe Seattle and Baltimore match up in a way, even at the deadline. Now, usually those trades for me are more off-season trades yes. than in-season. Yes. But – But you could look at Seattle and Baltimore right now and see where they could really help each other out. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point because if you look at the – and I know it's just a snapshot. Things change fast. But you look at the American League as you and I speak at the All-Star break. The Mariners all of a sudden take two of three from Tampa, take two of three from San Francisco on the road, take three of four from Houston, right? All while Tampa – isn't beating anybody all of a sudden. Texas is like 11 and 17 in their last 28 games. Uh, The Angels are sliding without Mike Trout and disarray. What do we do with Shohei? All of a sudden, the American League, you know, you got Baltimore playing great ball. I don't know. As of the moment, I don't see anybody that I truly fear. Maybe Houston's going to get healthy and become Houston again. How do you view the entirety of the of the American League as we sit here today? Yeah, yeah, because Tampa Bay is now tied with Baltimore in the loss column. Uh, and Blue Jays have heated up a little bit. They're playing good baseball. Okay. The Yankees have held their own. They're going to get judged back at some point. But there's vulnerability everywhere right now. Tampa Bay sliding back to the pack. The Astros are vulnerable without Jordan Alvarez. So it's open for a team to make a run. But the Blue Jays are looking to be that team. You know, in the Central Division, they're looking to be that team. The Red Sox hope they can be that team to make a run. Their record's not dissimilar from where Seattle is. So so somebody's going to make a run. Uh, and, um, you know, right now I still think Tampa and Baltimore are still the best teams. Houston can be if they get healthy. Yeah. Uh, but there's no team that I think right now you believe is head and shoulders better than everybody else. Tampa's come back to the pack. So the last question is just kind of a philosophical question. They're sitting here at 45 and 44. I know the way I would be thinking if I was being paid by the organization, which I'm not. I'd be looking at them saying, 
God, we're 45 and 44. We're right there. And we're throwing these four pitchers out every five days. And if we can just get Suarez hitting a little bit, if Julio pops back, I mean, we are this close. And we won 14 in a row last year, right at the all-star break to get us going. We're right in this. We're right in this. The problem is I'm not paid by the organization. Somebody who's not paid by the organization, Steve, might say, you are what you are, Mitch, through 89 games. Sorry, you're 45 and 44. You smell like a 500 team. You look like a 500 team. And you know what you're going to be in 162 games? You're going to win 83 and 79. You're going to win 84 and 78. You're not going to make it to 91 or 92. Which is the better way? I mean, you were there once. You get to, yeah. you get romanced into we can do this. I built this team. We can do this. Yeah. I am optimistic right now that we would make a run, but I right as we are right now, we're not quite good enough. And we're not playing well enough. Our run differential says that we're sort of middle of the pack. Uh and we're not winning the one run games this year like we've done in the last two years. So, but I think it's going to be a late developing trade deadline because so many teams are where Seattle is. You're like, really, what is the label that the Red Sox are? What are the Mets? Are the Mets going to make a run? Uh, are the Padres going to make a run? Uh, so everybody's waiting to figure out who they are. So I think that that it's yet to be determined. I think the next week you know, or so 10 days right after the deadline will really define for so many teams. Now, not everybody's going to get hot coming out of the break because it's not possible. So I think it's going to be really critical that you can make a big step forward. If you win seven out of eight, eight out of 10, and all of a sudden, you know, they won seven out of 10 right now. The, the Mariners have, yep. they went eight out of 10 coming out of the break. Now you're talking about something that maybe you are a team that can be reckoned with, but I don't know that you can really define exactly who they are right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Phillips, he does an amazing job wherever he is. You can find him, SiriusXM, on a daily basis and watch out for him on the MLB network on TV. Enjoy the break. You were never an all-star. I checked your Wikipedia page. You were never an all-star player, but you'll always be an all-star in Mitch Levy's mind. Just know that. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. That $5 gets me a cup of coffee at your local coffee shop. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a few of them out here. I understand that. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You bet. Thank you. It's been a while since my friend and Mitch Unfiltered partner, John Waterstrat joined us, and there's good reason. He's been busy. An exciting major facelift to some of the fireside showrooms. How are you, J-Dub? I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. And yes, it, it has been busy, and we're excited to unveil some new, cool new projects. We have a new sales director that came along, and he's been putting his footprint on the showrooms, and we're excited about what he's doing. We're going to put some new fireplaces you've never seen before and then we're redoing our whole outdoor kitchen area. Wow. The fantastic flagship Bellevue location was already beautiful, so I can't wait to drop by and see it. So what's the rumor about some big project you're coming up, some enormous fireplace that you guys are ready to install. Yes, our commercial department's doing a fantastic job. And as we've talked about before, we can do almost anything in fireplaces. And custom fireplaces are getting bigger and bigger. And we're hoping to uh, unveil the one of the largest fireplaces in North America. It's going to be pretty wow. exciting stuff. How big? Roughly 25 feet. And you're not going to tell us where it is, but we'll be able to see it sometime? And we'll be able to see it. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Oh, that's yeah. going to be 
be fun. So now that we've reached, let's call it the off season for fireplace use, it's actually, you and I talk about this, one of the better times of the year to start the process of redoing the fireplaces in your home or like you guys did for us, an outdoor unit. Yes. I mean, when the weather gets nice out there, things go a little bit faster. So we're not fighting the weather, whether we have to extract a fireplace, put a new one in. And then again, outside as well, when you're out there, we can get something done pretty quickly for you right now. And so when you're looking at the off season and you have a schedule and, and you want to get something done quickly, it's the best time to do it. Yeah. Whether it's fireplaces or garage doors, begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. I'll bet you'll end your search there too. It's sponsors like John and Fireside that make our shows and growing guest lists possible. Fireside Home Solutions and FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, she's the director of financial planning at our Mitch Unfiltered partner, Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. She's also my arch nemesis when it comes to financial trivia. Katie, how are you? How's everyone over at Evergreen Golf Call? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everybody's good over there. Our theme today is what? So today we're doing a market update. Okay. Which brings us to three questions. I typically go over three. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today. So I'm ready for question number one. As I know, we discussed quite a bit over the last few months. 2022 was the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio with both stocks and bonds down double digits. So true or false? In 2023, both stocks and bonds are up. Is that true or false? It's absolutely true, Katie Versio. That's right. Yes. It is true. So the market is off to a much better start this year, even though there's a lot more economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. The stock market's up about 8% and bonds are up nearly 3%. Very good. And I am up one for one, which screams at me, quit, Mitch. Quit right now and go out one for one. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to press my luck. What's question number two, Katie? Okay, so number two is another true or false. We'll see how you do with this one. So the yield curve is currently inverted, meaning that short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. Is that true or false? I'm going to say false, Katie. That's false. It's actually true. Wow. So I know it's uh, it's counterintuitive. Typically, you think the longer time frame you have, the more interest you get. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the opposite in this environment. It's typically an indication of a recession, and you actually get more interest for shorter time periods. That's actually surprising. It leaves me one for two. I'm not quitting. I'm continuing to press my luck. I'm going two for three. What's question number three, Katie? The 10-year treasury currently pays an interest rate of 3.5%. So knowing what we talked about in number two, what do six month treasuries yield? So 10 year yields three and a half. Does a six month treasury yield 4%, 5% or 6%? We know more. Question is how much more? I'm going B. I'm going 5% for 667. I'm going 5% for two out of three today. That's right, it is 5%. 
Yes. So it's an interesting environment where you only get three and a half percent for holding a position for 10 years, but you get 5% on the short term. So it's a really interesting environment with interest rates elevated at this level. We think now is a good time to lock in return. You can get better interest rates on money markets now. There's a lot more options for investors to park their cash than just a regular savings account. It's an unusual time in the world, the financial world, and they are there for you. EvergreenGK.com. Not only a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and part of the reason that we are possible on this podcast, but just a terrific resource. So check them out. EvergreenGK.com. Table. Murph, high drive, left field, runs it right and give it up. We got a tie-by game. with a big blast. Jason Churchill. Seattle's getting swept by the Rays. But here's the thing, that's that's not the they're getting swept by the Rays. But they're gonna win three of four against Houston going into break. One-two pitch. Joe Doyle. Bryce Miller is going to surrender four runs, four earned runs, Jason. And that will all take place in a start where he goes less than five innings. Blasted out to center. Driven back. seven or worse and they will be outscored by an aggregate of at least double digit runs over those 10 games So we are bringing the Mariners no table out of the shadows ladies and gentlemen and into the free Monday show well kind of there's an empty chair normally Jason Churchill and Joe Doyle join me for patrons every week. Doyle is swamped with the Major League Baseball draft, and that means it's just Churchill and Levy this time around. How are you, Church? I'm good. Been enjoying some baseball. Lots going on, and oh, when uh, when the hometown team is winning, it sure makes it a lot more fun around here, doesn't it? The hometown team is winning, and the hometown team is drafting, and we're going to cover both of them here on this abridged edition of the uh, of the Mariners no table. All right, 7 and 3 over the tough 10 game stretch. I thought they'd go 3 and 7. I thought they'd be outscored by 10 or more runs. They did the outscoring by 14, Jason. Does this good feel, does this little stretch make you feel any differently about this team heading into the break? Yeah, I I think it really does. I think anytime, you know, the club goes out, because we talked about this, they hadn't been putting together back-to-back game, complete games, back-to-back-to-back, you know, win a series, win a series. They'd been winning game one and then losing game two and then losing game three or salvaging the series. And, you know, you got to win series. And it sounds cliche a little bit, but they've done that. And that 15-4 to drubbing by the Rays really wasn't opportunity if it was ever going to happen Mitch yeah for Scott service and Manny Acta and that group to lose this team and it clearly did not happen so maybe we can put that stuff to bed for a while and to make it even more interesting while they were winning seven out of ten you've got the Angels losing nine out of ten 
You've got the Texas Rangers. They've won five of their last 16. They're 5-11 and 11 over their last 16. Even the Tampa Bay Rays, who were the class of the American League the last time you and I chatted, they're 1-8 and eight in their last nine games. So it seems like the Mariners are surging to the All-Star break, and some of these teams that had built cushions are backing up just a little bit. Yeah, you almost kind of wish the All-Star break wasn't coming, right? <laughs> I, although I, I do feel... I do feel like you've you've heard uh, broadcasters talk about this. You've heard managers and pitching coaches talk about this. Like when it's a pitcher's last inning, he knows it's his last inning. He'll just let he'll just empty the tank, right? He'll give you everything he's got. I feel like teams do that as well, knowing the break is coming, not worried about preparing for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because they know they're off. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you kind of wish let's just keep this going because momentum feels like a real thing. And when the team feels like it's a real thing, you want to just let the team run with it even though we can't quantify that sort of thing Mitch so the last time that we were together the three of us we talked about trading deadline and how you would approach it I think we all kind of agreed that the Mariners should not trade for a rent a player for the remainder of the year anybody that they buy should have some more club control maybe at least another year and then we talked about whether they would move Seawald if the right package came along, if they would move Teo, if they would move Murphy. Does any of that change with the 7 out of 10 against three really good opponents? I don't think so because we still have a couple of weeks to go before the deadline and they could just give it right back, sure which is can. something they've been doing sure all can. season long. So yeah. I, I'm going to knock on wood, Mitch. I don't want to jinx it. And again, this momentum thing can be real, but I don't think so. I think you have to get, you know, three, four, five days before the deadline, kind of see where you're at. And it's really not so much their record. It's where you are. You know, as you look at the wild card standings heading into the break, you have to feel a lot better about it than you did week, week and a half ago. You know, there are only three teams ahead of you in your four games out that feels a lot better than having to pass five or six teams and being you know even if you're still five four games six, out right yeah, yeah. so yeah. i look at it that way but I, I still think this like i know jerry depoto is big on he doesn't want to rent players but you know what kind of trade jerry depoto has made more than any other kind of a trade at the trade deadline mitch rentals so i think when jerry comes out and he has spoken publicly about this and perhaps justin hollander the general manager has spoken about this as well when they say they'd prefer not to get rentals they're mostly talking about significant pricey rentals, guys that have big names attached, guys that are going to be two month rentals. They're going to cost a lot to get or you might have to give up a couple of your top 10 prospects for two months of them. That's really what they're talking about. But if you got to go out and get a a reliever for a couple of months, that's not going to cost you a ton or you need to go get a bench guy that's really going to help you down the stretch, cover a position, the Jock Peterson types. Those aren't going to cost you a lot. Those kinds of rentals are OK. And those are the kinds of rentals that Jerry DePoto has acquired before. All right, so, so let I me see that. Let it's me the significant ones I don't think it's going to happen. Let me give you a little scenario. Would you say there are three games back in the loss column right now, four games overall, three games back in the loss column of the final wild card with, I believe, three teams between them and the wild card. Let's mm -hmm. assume that at the deadline, they're a little closer in both, maybe one game closer, and they skipped over one team. So they still play good baseball coming out of the break, all right? And now it's a day or two before the deadline, and they start getting calls on Seawald. And they start getting calls on Teo. What are you going to do? Yeah, I think that really depends on what else you think you can do. 
because it, and 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 our teams offering only prospects. prospects. Yes. Yeah. And if that's the case, you might not have enough time if you were to trade Teoscar Hernandez or Paul Siebel to turn those prospects around and grab something you can use and need right now. Yeah. It really depends on how yeah. late that happens. I, I don't really see them doing that in that particular scenario. I would yeah. lean toward no on that. Okay. But you're right. I, I think they're going to buy regardless. I think they could lose seven in the first ten, really? and they're buy. They're looking to buy big. You only get so many opportunities to to go out and get players. And if you see a player out there, Mitch, a second baseman, a third baseman, a left field, it doesn't even matter, a player that you really like and you'd right. like to have for next year and the year after, and your opportunity to acquire them is now, you have to go try and make that happen because that player otherwise is probably going to get traded somewhere else before the next time you get an opportunity to acquire them in November, December. Quick comments on bright spots going into the break, and I'll throw a couple at you. Logan Gilbert's last two starts, maybe Maybe considering the opponents and where the games were, his best two-game stretch of his career. He throws a complete game in San Francisco, brilliant. And then with the exception of the home run in Houston on Sunday, he's he's great against the Astros. Yeah, they're the depleted Astros, but they're still the Astros in Houston. Anything different? Any reason why? Is it just baseball and one of those things? I mean, it is baseball and one of those things, but Logan Gilbert's one of those guys who... Like he doesn't have to have great command, but when he has specifically and particularly poor command, he's going to get hit. His fastball is hittable even at 97 if he leaves it over in the middle of the plate, just like pretty much everyone else in Major League Baseball. That's just the way this works. He doesn't hide the baseball that well. There's not that much late movement on his fastball. So he has to command it pretty well. But what he's really been able to do this year, and I think we saw it mostly in those two starts that you're talking about, is consistently throw his off-speed stuff competitively. You don't have to throw it in the strike zone, but you have to throw it near the strike zone enough to tell that hitter, you have to honor this. You have to look at this because I'm either going to catch the zone like he's been doing with the splitter. He'll throw it in the zone or I'm going to dart this slider out of the zone. You have to honor this. So now the fastball is that much more valuable and he doesn't have to be as fine with his command. He's been doing that more this year, especially in those two starts. If we gave out an MVP award for every two weeks, of course, I would be the MVP of the Mariners no table. But <laughs> if we gave a Mariners MVP to a hitter and a pitcher every two weeks, I'm not so sure that Mike Ford isn't the MVP of the last two weeks for the Seattle Mariners. I'm looking up. He's got a 944 OPS. The job he's doing at the bottom of that lineup, giving it some length to that lineup in the DH spot. We've been complaining that they can't find somebody to to hit the ball in the DH position. Is this a fluke? Is he a is he Bucky Jacobson? Is he a cold hero or is he real? Is this real and spectacular? Yeah, Mike Ford's one of the, it's hard to it's hard for me to sit here and say it's real because Mike Ford's not 23 years old trying to break into the big leagues, but it's never too late. I, I you know, the folks that are familiar with me and my conversations around things like this are going to recognize this story, but I had a conversation with Jed Lowry some years ago and something he told me resonates here. You can be 27 33, 35 years old, you are always looking to tinker and get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And sometimes those tinkers, those little things you do make a bigger difference than just your tinkering. You're not trying to get a little better and, and you get a lot better sometimes. And right. maybe there's something right. Mike Ford is doing that's making him a lot better. I think the mayor's just ride it out, but yeah, you know, the last couple of weeks, yeah, he's gotta be one of those, you know, one of those MVPs. JP Crawford has been great. 
the last couple of weeks. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, yeah. uh, the last Teo, two weeks, Teo is the Hernandez. best hitter on the team. Teoscar Hernandez, in his last 30 games, is hitting 290. Uh, Julio's hitting 351. Go back to Hernandez for a second, because it seems like we've been operating under this assumption, walking around all year under this assumption that, oh, Hernandez is going to be gone at the end of the year. Oh, Hernandez, he's on a $14 million one-year deal. He's a free agent. He'll be gone. But during the offseason, they're going to need to add some bats. Mm -hmm. And if they lose a guy, let's say Hernandez hits 25 or 30 home runs. He's got 15. Mm -hmm. If they lose him, they're going to have to add him plus all the new bats. Who's to to say that he's not going to have a good second half of the year and Jerry's not going to try to re-sign him at the end of the year to, to, you know, in the offseason to bring him back to the middle of the lineup? Sure. I think the thing with with Teoscar Hernandez is, one, the type of hitter that he is where he's going to be streaky, he's going to swing and miss a lot. Seattle does want to try to get away from, but you're right, Mitch. And I guarantee you, Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander and that front office is think about it, thinking about the same way you are. We need to add to what we have, not subtract and then add and just replace. Cause that's essentially what they did with the Mitch Hanniger right. situation thinking, well, we're going to have an advantage because tail is going to be available to us. And Mitch Hanniger wasn't, which is 100% true. But again, tail has been available. And if you lose him, you do have to replace now two or three bats instead of one or two. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. The thing with tail though, that I feel like when you look at him, what is he? He's 30 years old. Um, you get into the offseason. The market right now for players like that is somewhere between three guaranteed years at 18 to $20 million, which is basically three and 60 and five years and a hundred million dollars. Do you want to do either one of those anywhere in that no, range for Teoscar? Well, I don't either. So here's now. what I think Seattle does. Mitch. Not now, but if he, if he shows me that he can, do I don't care what he half. does the rest of the way. Really? Uh, he's 30 years old. He's yeah. 30 years old. He has shown us what he is. We know he, he's basically now, other than the, the 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 struggles at the beginning of the year, he's basically what he was last year and basically what he was most other a, years before that. doesn't that. make him a three-year $60 million player then in your mind? I don't I don't think so. If you don't think he's a three-year $60 million player now, there's nothing over the next two or three months that's going to change my mind on that. that. That's what he is. He's 30 years old, right? But what I think Seattle could do, and, and, it, and it could be a big win for them, tender him the qualifying offer. And if somebody wants to pay him enough to get him to bolt on a multi-year deal, you could end up getting draft picks out of that. And then you go out. And if you're going to offer Teoscar Hernandez, essentially $20 million for one year, the market might tell him, take it, take it, come back, have another good year, get two or three years after this year. Yeah. Show people that the struggles to the start of your season in 2023 was yeah. just one of those weird things. That could be the best case scenario for Seattle. Let's go back to JP Crawford because the three of us on the no table for the patrons, we like to take shots. We like to have fun at JP Crawford's expense from time to time. <laughs> the guy has had a really good first half of the year. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you said, okay, who is it? exceeded expectations. They threw him into the leadoff role because everybody else was struggling. He's got an on-base percentage, I believe, of 362 as you and I sit here today. That's better than Swanson. That's better than Bogarts. That's better than Trey Turner. That's better than Carlos Correa. If you want to go by war, which I don't even know what that means, he's got he's got a better number than just about all of those guys mm-hmm. going into the All-Star break. Really, he deserves a lot of credit for stabilizing the leadoff spot, which I'm not sure any of us, including you, thought he would do. 
long term. No, not at all. Like, but we've seen Crawford in terms of on base percentage. We've seen him do this before. What we really haven't seen a lot of from Crawford is the consistency in doing some extra base damage here and there. The consistency. And he's got eight home runs already. He sure like his does. career high is sure what is career high? Is it nine? I think, I think so. It's crazy. Nine. So, yeah. He's got eight already. Yeah. We haven't seen the consistency of that while holding up the batting average, even though he's not hitting 300. I think he's hitting in the low 250s. Right. But holding up that into the bargain with the on base percentage and a little bit of extra base damage coming instead of, you know, you look back to last year. He was really good the first five, six weeks, and he was terrible the rest of the season. All of his power came the first like six weeks of the year, and then there was just nothing. He was one of the worst everyday players in baseball. But you hated right. his swing. You when you look at like yeah. there's a stat out there that I know not a lot of people use, but WRC plus is basically intended as kind of an all encompassing offensive stat. 100 is always adjusted to be league average. When you sort that by shortstops, Mitch, to follow up on the point you were making about how good he's been compared to some of those other guys, he's the third best offensive shortstop wow. in major league baseball this year with a 122 WRC plus that wow. tells us he's been 22% above the league average overall, far above league average for shortstop. The league average for shortstop is 95. On Sunday, a big hit delivered by the left fielder. A two-run hit that gave them the 3-0 cushion and allowed them to get to the finish line after that stunning loss on Saturday night where they couldn't score with the bases loaded and nobody out. The flip side of the left fielder, J.K., is that in his last 38 games, 180 with a ton of strikeouts. I think the number is... 60 strikeouts and 133 at-bats in over a 38-game stretch. Are we worried that we are slowly slipping back to where we were to start the, uh, the exhibition season and soon we'll be having the conversation whether he belongs in the lineup or do you think he's beyond that now? He's going to settle in. He's going to be good at times, bad at times, but he's going to be able to bounce back after stretches like this. Yeah, that's a tough one because those uh, those struggles you're talking about go go back quite a ways now. Like it's been a little while, like no matter which, you know, filter you use, no matter which split you use. I went back to May 15, just kind of randomly. We're looking at 211 with a 337 slug and a 37 percent strikeout rate. If you cut that in half and go sometime in early June or or mid June, it's still a 35 percent strikeout rate. And he's batting under 200. We don't love batting average, Mitch, but when you're batting under 200, unless your name is Ricky Henderson, you have a problem. You know, there's a problem going on. He does need to find a way to make more contact. I'm still encouraged, though, because in years past, Jared Kelnick has spiraled. You alluded to it there. He spiraled and there really hasn't been these games like like he had a couple of days ago in Houston where he hit the double and and the key hit or drawn a key walk or it's just spiraled and he really hasn't been able to climb out of it. And they've had to ship him back to Tacoma at the end of the day. And I don't think he's letting it get to him as much. And I think that's important. I, I think the, the first, if we could get to the, if we could fast forward to mid to late August and see where Jared Kelnick is, I think we're going to have a really good idea what's going to happen there, but he's still a young player and all this experience, if he allows it to, and it sounds like he does want it to, he yeah. gets that. Yeah. Ignore the numbers, man. Ignore the numbers. You can use every at bat, every plate appearances, every pitch to get better. And it looks like he's trying to do that. And it looks like he and the team are kind of on the same page now. So I'm far more encouraged than I thought I would be considering the numbers the last six, eight 45 and 44 heading to the break. We'll see what they do coming out of the break. I think it's Detroit and Mm -hmm. then Minnesota. Now, before I let you go, Jason Churchill, 
baseball things. <clears throat> um, before you go, the draft took center stage over the weekend or on Sunday. I guess they had the first two rounds on Sunday as we're recording this. Mariners picked up three guys in the first, like, 30-something picks. Is that 30, right? Yep, three in the top 30 and a fourth guy at All right, You want to tell us who they drafted and just give us a sense, a small thumbnail on the three young guys that they drafted? Yeah, absolutely. At number 22, with their, their first pick in round one, they took Colt Emerson, a prep shortstop out of John Glenn High School in Ohio. Uh, may not land at shortstop, but they think there's going to be enough athleticism and power there to move to second, maybe center field. May end up at third base, left-handed athlete. Left-handed oh. swinging. Oh. There's some pop there. I see a lot of DJ LeMahieu here. That's the comp I've thrown on him. He's left-handed, but I see a lot of DJ LeMahieu. Contact doubles. If you can turn some of those doubles into homers, he may fit at third base. Okay. Uh, so that was at 22. At 29, they went and got the, the worst kept secret in the draft this year was the Mariners and a prep kid out of the Virginia area named Johnny Farmello. Really interesting athlete. He's already 6'2", 205. Reminds me a little bit of, uh, well, I got two. I got a modern comp for him, Brandon Nimmo. You like Brandon Nimmo, right? Yeah, Can run a little bit. Sure. Hit for some power. But, uh, but one that I think you'll appreciate here, Mitch. How about Andy Van Slyke? How about if the Mariners oh just God. drafted them some Andy Vance like he's an right? outfielder. This guy's an outfielder. He's an outfielder. Okay. Could stick in center. Uh, these days you try to want to max power on some of these guys if they have the bat speed. So that's Johnny Farmello at number 29. Uh, he can run left -handed and field. batter. Left-handed bat, left-handed high, school, high schooler again. High schooler again. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, at number thirty, they went prep again and took a really, a really wow. good athlete. This this kid's the best athlete of the three. It's Ty Pete, uh, Trinity uh, Christian in Georgia. Seattle likes their Georgia kids, yeah, I know and they have Harry since Ford. Jerry Depoto yeah. arrived yeah. and Scott Hunter arrived. He's a very high-end athlete. Another left-handed bat with some pop. Not a big forty homer guy, but a guy that could develop into 20, 25 homers on the high end. Maybe he sticks it short, but this is a guy who he's so athletic now that even if he doesn't stick it short, maybe he's a plus defender at second. Or if he fills out, I mean, he's six one and one ninety five, six two and one ninety five. Even if he fills out a very, very athletic center fielder or third baseman that hits you twenty to twenty five home runs, you'd sign up for that too, right? So right there in, in essentially round one, you got three left handed athletes all from the prep ranks all with some power, all with some defensive versatility okay. and an ability to impact the game in a lot of ways. At 57, their, uh, their second round pick, their final pick of day one, okay. they went and got a college kid out of William & Mary, Ben Williamson, a right-handed bat, third baseman. Now, he was a senior this year, and those guys don't have a lot of leverage, but so this is going to save them some money because you got to fit everything into a bonus pool. But I really like this kid. Uh, a, a lot of folks throw out the Tyler Locklear pick, uh, from a couple of years back, which makes a lot of sense. But this guy has a legit chance to stick at third base. There's some athleticism here as well. Uh, third base, maybe right field if he can't stick on the dirt. Uh, there's some power there too as well. So really interesting first day for the Seattle Mariners, adding athleticism and power, including three prep kids who swing from the left side. Two follow-ups. The first guy's name is Colt Emerson, did you say? Yes. Where was he projected in all these mock drafts to go about where he went or mm -hmm. something later, something earlier, would you say? Yeah, Emerson was pretty. I saw Emerson as high as 14, 15 right there were like the White Sox and the Red Sox and the and the Orioles right there, 14, 15, 16, 17, right in that range. Yeah. Uh, and he went 22. But I saw him as low as 25, 26, okay. 27. So he okay. fit in that range. Absolutely. The kid at 29, Farmelo, he's going to take a little more to sign. So over 
that slot number, that recommended value uh, for that particular pick to keep him from going to school. He was a kid who, if you look around, you can find teams that really liked him in the in the low twenties. Most people had him in the thirties or forties. Seattle just likes him more. They may be more familiar with him than most others. And then Ty Pete, the kid at thirty, I don't have a real good feel on the money for him. Such a high end athlete. I don't want to say boomer bust. Sometimes these guys turn out to be boomer bust. But when you look at a kid like this, he was ranked typically in the 40s and 50s. Um, so people are looking at this as an underslot play as well. But if you're going to go slot, overslot, underslot at 22, 29, and 30, there are not a lot of better ways they could have gone at this point. They they swung for the fences. And I, I compared this draft, Mitch, to the Seahawks draft a couple of months ago. A very unique opportunity for the Seahawks with the extra first, with the extra second. And I, I just thought at the time, the Seahawks did, don't get cute with it and you'll be fine. And they yeah. didn't. And I thought they did very well. And I think the Mariners did the exact same thing. Don't get cute. Take best players. Move your money around a little bit. Take a chance here. But don't get cute. And you're going to do well. And I think they did. What's the big national headline from the draft, not including the Mariners? Something that happened at the top of the draft. Did it go as expected? Did the guy number one, was he expected to go number one, number two, number three? What will they be talking about in newspapers around the country on Monday yeah, I think it's that Paul Skeens, the LSU right-hander, went number one instead of the outfielder. It's not going to surprise a lot of people, but some folks out there, like we had just kind of assumed all along that Dylan Cruz, the LSU oh, yeah. outfielder, would be number one. Oh. And most people had Cruz number one on their board. And he went to? But the word was Dylan Cruz is going to cost more than the slot number, and Pittsburgh didn't want to do that, so they went with his teammate, Paul Skeens, who's probably the best pitching prospect we've seen in the draft since at least Steven Strasburg in really? 2009. So, wow. Yeah, we're talking talking 95 to 100 with a wipeout slider and a chance for a plus changeup. He's playing the big leagues in a year. So you can understand why the Pirates wanted to either go slaughter under for a kid like that and then be able to do what they wanted to do the rest so of the So where did Cruz go? Cruz ended up going two to the Washington Nationals. Okay. So they got, uh, the they other got kid that was really close and considered at number one was Wyatt Langford. Uh, he ended up going four to the Texas Rangers. Okay. Very good. All right. We'll get back to the, uh, the Mariners note table as we know it. The next time around when Joe Doyle's world stops spinning. But for now, baseball things, you can listen to it. But I'm just, I'm just going to warn everybody, try it out. But don't expect to hear any familiar voices if you know what I'm saying. Because I'm just sticking by my mailbox. He's Jason Churchill. Thank you, Church. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. Hey, look who it is. It's Lindsay Schwartz of Daniel's Broiler. Lindsay, are the restaurants still thriving with you on the golf course three or four days a week? Hey, Mitch, good, good to talk to you. Yeah, I wish I was on three or four days a week. Come but, on uh, now. But I, yeah, I can't complain. Come I, on, on now. You're telling I'm, me you're not on the golf course three or four days a week? I'm on maybe like one or two days a no, week. No, you're but, not. <laughs> come on. Sometimes three or four. All right. I always focus our attention on some obvious qualities of Daniel's like the steaks and seafood, the incredible ambiance and service. But here's something we never talk about or don't talk about enough. Desserts. Now, can we talk about desserts and make people in our audience want to go to Daniel's just for the desserts? I think so. I mean, we you're right. We haven't talked about it much. I'll tell you what, I'm a big dessert guy, so I would love to talk about okay. desserts. I'm not a big dessert guy. I'm not a big drinker, but I want to hear you talk about the desserts at Daniel's. Tell me, please. I'm a dessert guy and a drinker, but, but <laughs> let's, let's talk about, let's just talk about desserts. I'll tell you what, you know, we've been around a long time since 1980. We got a handful of desserts that have been around since day one that are just old school, old time favorites. 
and they're so good that we we never change them. The, we've got a New York style cheesecake, which I think you have to have if you're a steakhouse. We have a creme brulee, which is awesome. Again, you have to have it. The other one that we've had forever is the coconut fudge sundae. I may have talked about it a little bit, but it is so good. I mean, it, and we do it differently. It's a, it's almost like an upside down sundae. So we line the bowl with fudge and refrigerate that. So you got this thick layer of fudge on the bottom. And then we put the delicious uh, coconut ice cream on top of that. And I mean, people have loved that for over 40 years. It's awesome. Do you have an ambulance sitting outside to take me directly to the hospital after I have that dessert? <laughs> we should. I don't know. We, we know where all the closest uh, hospitals are to each uh, restaurant, so, so you don't have to worry about that. But but then, you know, we also have some some of the newer ones. We've got a chocolate decadence cake that is relatively new. It is what it is. It's a decadent chocolate cake served with vanilla ice cream. A newer one is a peach melba butter cake. So butter cake is something that we've seen at other steakhouses around the country. And then I got to mention also just uh, it sounds simple, but just the ice cream. We, we use Olympic Mountain ice cream, which is a company, family-owned company that's been around as long as we have. And uh, you really just see their stuff in restaurants. You don't see it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And they come up with these amazing, unique flavors. They kind of pick the flavor and, and we serve it. But like, for example, there's a brown butter almond toffee, which is killer, strawberry rhubarb pie, white chocolate espresso flake with caramel swirl. Jeez. I could keep going. It's, wow. uh, it, it's, it's been a staple for us and, and a great partnership for us. And we just love it. My God, I ask you about your steaks, your seafood, your ambiance, and you give me eight seconds. I didn't know I need to be asking you about dessert all these years. I told you, I've known you 20 years. You know, you can't figure out the right questions. I'm a dessert guy. Let's go. Ah, Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Un filtered episode 246 hot shots got other stuff segment where we go around the the world of sports and non-sports things that have caught our eye right over the last week what's you, caught your eye do you want to get week? into the scotty are, are we done with scotty pippen and, no, and we're never michael jordan we're never done with scotty pippen so he's seemingly Poor trying to he, he's trying to outdo his ex-wife larsa yeah who's dating michael jordan's son when it comes to who could be racier on their dates all right, right. pictures show scotty driving an suv with a woman in the back okay. and the window wide open the woman for some reason pushed up her shirt exposing her breasts right covered by a white bra for everyone to see yeah scotty then flashed the peace sign out the window while the two cruised out of this comes on the heels of Larsa's naughty makeout session with her boyfriend, Marcus Jordan, inside a club. Did you see this video? No. It shows Marcus puffing on a hookah mouthpiece. You can picture those, those hookah pipes. You know, you smoke the hookah. Anyway, he takes a big hit off the hookah, places lips on Larsa's chest, and Talking blew the me. smoke in between her boobs. <laughs> Just all class all the way around. So the drama didn't stop there, though, because Marcus' dad, Michael, you remember him, Michael Jordan? was recently filmed by paparazzi in Paris saying he yes. does not, yes. in fact, approve yes. of his son's relationship with Larsa. Was life better when we didn't know anything about our hero's personal <laughs> blowing smoke in the booth? I don't need any of that. I just like watching him on the court. I, I feel like I know too much. Then why'd you bring it up on the show? Because <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> it's out there. How am I not going to bring it up? All right. I got a few for you off the top. Sports stuff. The plug was pulled. On the Mike Trout Shohei Otani show, because Mike Trout broke a bone in his hand, will not be at the All-Star game this mm. weekend or will be there and not playing. 
He's going to be out six to eight weeks, and the Angels are not happy about that. So sure. no more Mike Trout for a while. Have you seen the latest in the Ellie De La Cruz mania? What he did, I thought I sent oh, it to you. yeah. He stole three bases, second, third, and home on two pitches in the same inning. So I saw that when you sent it to me. I saw yeah. the headline. I'm right. like, wait, does that say two pitches? On two pitches. That can't be right. Yeah, on the second pitch, he stole third, and then while the infield was napping... And the pitcher was like doing oh, whatever he's doing. He said, ah, whatever. I'm going to take off for home. And he beat the throw. He's just playing with his food. I mean, he's just, he looks like a little leaguer out there just messing around. And yes. Just going to fly every, home. And It seems like every week he does something different to, to catch our attention. Yeah. Speaking of catching our attention, do you know who the NBA's all-time winningest coach is? Who's got more wins than anybody in the history of NBA coaches? Is it a Celtic Coach. No, it's a handsome San Antonio Spurs coach named Greg Popovich. Oh, sure, Popovich. The, da the dashing and debonair Greg Popovich has a new contract. Oh, okay. I find this to be interesting. Is he doing okay? This is very, very consistent with everything that Greg Popovich has done in his career. Okay. And I guess he's a great coach. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Everybody thinks he's the greatest and whatever. He signed a new six-year or five-year, $80 million coach. He is 74 Jeez. years old. But he's reinvigorated. Hot shot. Okay. Why is he reinvigorated? Why is he signing this five-year, $80 million deal to coach some more in the NBA? He's got a new he, player. He has a new player coming in, I yeah. heard. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Victor Wembenyama. You got it. Yes. You got it. Britney Spears' favorite. <laughs> right, for some reason, yes. What happened there? Um. Five-year, $80 million, Greg Popovich Jeez. says, I can hang for a while. This is the same Greg Popovich. I know I, I sound like a broken record, who was in charge of player personnel, kind of the general manager, president of the San Antonio Spurs, had not coached. Oh, right. And he fired the head coach. I think it was Bob Hill at the time. Yeah. After they got the number one overall pick in the lottery, Tim Duncan, yeah. and David Robinson was coming back from injury. So he'd have David Robinson and Tim Duncan. He's like, yep. you know what? I'm going to coach this yeah, team. I got it. Slide over, kid. I got this. And ever since then, he's won more games than anybody in the history of the NBA, and now wow. he's hanging around for another five years. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, right? Victor Wembanyama. Why, 74? 74. Victor Wembanyama. Did I ever tell the story? I, I can't remember. I know I told it on some podcast, whether it was to you or somebody else. Did I ever tell you the story? Remember when we were in L.A., we got stuck because of all the airline yep disasters and my my wife and kids actually had to drive home from la yep. i stayed there to do the podcast you remember me telling that story absolutely yeah did i also tell you the story how we went to one of our favorite restaurants which is one of these desirable expensive restaurants that okay. we like to go Spago to type thing or, yeah, yeah yeah it's it's called catch okay catch la we went there did i ever tell you the story of us sitting there and you know the paparazzi's always there to get pictures of me and i try yeah. to put my hand over my face and whatever or at least look straight on at the camera looks yeah no no profile no shot. you don't need boys that. no profile <laughs> shots that's right <laughs> yes did i tell you the story how we were the four of us were seated to have dinner and everybody was coming over to this really tall young guy at our next table literally I could reach my arm across and grab some of his food off his plate. Okay. That's how close he was. People coming up left and right. Can we have a picture left and right? He he looked to me like he was about 6'11", 6'10", 7 feet. Yeah. But he looked like a basketball He's player. not working like at Amazon. No. He's Young yeah, getting paid and every, to play something. And, and, my, and, and Max is like, who is this guy, Dad? Yeah. Dad? And I'm like, I have no idea. 
I have no idea. He said, well, everybody else seems to have it. I thought you know something about sports. Did you host a sports show at one point? Everybody's like walking up to this guy. And I said to him, Max, let me assure you something. Every single person is just seeing the the previous person get a photo. Right. So they think they want to get a photo. I'm willing to tell you there's not one person here who knows who that guy is. <laughs> That's true. In yeah. fact, he might not even know who he is. <laughs> right. Okay. And she, he's like, are you sure about that? So Max asks a young woman who's taking a picture of her kid with this guy. And Max says, who is that? Just to see if I was yeah. right, to test his dad out. Mm -hmm. And the woman says... Oh, I don't know. Some NFL player. Okay. <laughs> the world's tallest NFL player. <laughs> okay. And Max looked at me across the table and was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Dad. There's no NFL player that's seven feet tall. Nah. What no. was too tall? Six, no. eight or something? <laughs> too tall Jones. Yeah. And the guy was getting up out of his seat. Big smile. Yeah. Then he'd sit down, get up out of his oh, seat. Geez. Big smile. Trying to eat a meal. Yeah. So Max goes on this search we're going to figure out at the next table we're going to be the only people in this restaurant to figure out who this guy is right well max decides he's figured it out he's showing me pictures the guy happens to have blue hair oh okay. i didn't want to tell you that part of the story okay because as it turns out you know who it is huh it's the guy who dunked on Wemben Yama oh really in his first <laughs> summer league game did you really? see the highlight that I had to see the, it, the yeah. whole world is like, oh, Victor Wembanyama, he's no good anymore. Somebody <laughs> dunked on him. He got posterized. Oh he, yeah, he got shit. That up was bad. the guy. Wow, that was that's the guy. Weird. I think his name was Kai Jones. Okay, that sounds right because I, I read it when I saw yeah, the highlight. Yeah, and, and the best part of the story, I haven't even given you the punchline of the story. So at Catch LA, yeah. If you ever go to Catch LA, they actually have a dessert called donuts. Okay, I've heard of that, yes. And he's sitting there with this little tiny guy who clearly is his agent. <laughs> right. And so while <laughs> while Max, it, it turns out we're going to the Clippers game the next night. We see Kai Jones. He's on the Charlotte team. Okay. Michael Jordan's team. Yeah, yeah. So we're putting it all together. He happens to be in town. Gotcha, yeah. And he's with his agent who's LA-based. So while Max is trying to figure out who the player is, I'm trying to figure out who the agent is. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two of them are sitting at a table and they order the Catch LA famous donut dessert. Okay. And what the donut dessert is, is a tower of donuts. Sounds great. Have you ever seen a tower of donuts? No, I have not. Okay. Onion rings is one thing, not donuts. Very similar. Okay. A so tower like different of donuts. sizes all the way up or? Different sizes all the way up. But understand that each donut is is separated from the other donut. I mean, it's not like they're they're not even touching. I see, I mean, okay. It's a, it's a tower. It's a beautiful tower of donuts with some space in between. Wow, it sounds great. Well, they get the donut dessert and proceed. There's like 14 donuts, 12 donuts, big donuts, beautiful looking donuts. Yeah. Proceed to eat one. Oh, my God. Maybe two. <laughs> and Max, oh. who loves dessert, Max loves himself some dessert. Yeah. Maybe a little too much. Okay. He loves himself some dessert. He's sitting within... He's the closest at our table to their table. I mean, really... <laughs> And they get up, pay the bill, and leave. And there's a tower of 13. To one has been eaten, oh, and none of them have God. even been touched. See, I, I hate food waste more than anything, too. Okay, but this... This is, would torture me. This is not just food waste. Yeah. I mean, this is a... Beautiful. A, oh, my God. And, and not even close to being touched. Yeah. So please tell me you went over and snagged one. Uh, well, I didn't. <laughs> He's like, Dad. Yeah. Mom, can I... I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> it's a little gauche, but okay. You can't. <laughs> I would want to as well, though. I'm kind of with him. It's so wasteful.
I said to him, look, if it was an NBA All-Star, yeah, then you can get the donuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't eat after a D-League. Come on, the guy, the guy never plays. You just yeah. told him, Max, you just told me he only plays three minutes a game. Why would you want the donuts of a guy who plays three <laughs> minutes a game? <laughs> right. Said, You're missing the point, Dad. That was in a summer league game, right? Summer league game. I yeah. mean, he's he, people are going to go after him, right, just because he's – I mean, people are saying he's the greatest prospect who's ever lived in the history of the game. Correct. Uh, this is not me saying he's going to be Sean Bradley. He'll be much better than Sean Bradley. But remember when Bradley came in the league at 7-6, people couldn't wait to dunk on him. I mean, the guy was just targeted every game. People are just flying in trying to yeah. shit on him. And this guy's going to catch a lot of it, too. Now, maybe he'll be better and he'll block a bunch of them. Yeah. He's just going to be a target this whole his first year in the league. It's going to be funny to watch. He looked not scared, but... He, like, got out of the way, and he was, like, almost fell down. I mean, the guy really... Britney Spears posted him. him up. That's true. <laughs> I have a picture, I think, of these... Uh, so what happened? Do this, we know what happened? With? Britney Spears and Victor Wimbanyama. Oh, well, first of all, is that the display? It's like a little circle thing, or... Does that look like it or no? Yeah, it's yeah. Just a bunch of donuts on a rack. Yeah. It looks awesome. <laughs> uh, and they're just, yeah, you're right. They're all I just kind of sitting in their own little I thought it was more or... of a tower than a, a, a merry-go-round or a But it, it goes wheel. up, though. It's pretty it awesome, yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, it's a it's a sight to behold. <laughs> and they had one freaking donut. Asians like, left the money whole well day. spent. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, so uh, Britney so, Spears, go on. So, so what happened? She, she says... That she went to get his attention and a security guy slapped her in the face. Yes. Right? That's what she, she says. She was behind happened. him and went and like poked him or touched him or something to get his attention. Yeah. And his security, I guess, didn't know who she was or didn't care. And she had no security. We didn't have a rumble of I mean, wouldn't Britney Spears. Oh, she has security. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we have a rumble of security? It's a people? good question because that has happened in the past where two security crews come together. And she claims that the security person. Slapped her across the kisser, right? Something yep. like that? Yep, yep. But surveillance video says, because everything's on video these days, shows that she actually slapped herself. The other person didn't know who she was, the security person, and tried to kind of push her off of Wembenyama because yeah. she grabbed. Uh, apparently, the vi surveillance video shows her grabbing him. Yeah. And the security person saying, get off. And then she, by mistake, hit herself, like slapped herself. By mistake? Yeah. I mean, she didn't mean to slap herself. Well, she was a little kooky for a while there, so you never know. She also shaved her head and beat the shit out of a car with an umbrella at one point, too. She says, quote, I've been working in the industry for years, and I've been with some of the most famous people right, in the world. here we go. In sync, at one point, we're like the Beatles. Girls would throw themselves at them everywhere we went. Not one time in my life has a security guard ever hit another person. Hmm. Yeah. Backhanded to the kisser. Now, she didn't use the word kisser, right? Yes. Nobody uses the word kisser. Yeah, I don't know if she was backhanded or it didn't. That's what she says. Yeah, that's what she says. And are we sure that no security person for a star <laughs> right. has ever laid a hand on a fan? It actually just happened in the last 10 seconds while you were talking <laughs> at some random concert in Rio de Janeiro. Okay? Yeah, It happens all the time. Yes. I mean, I've, I've seen Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam yell at the guys in the yellow jackets to stop beating the shit out of people. <laughs> it's a rock show. Where they're, they're, they're fine. We're just having fun. Stop beating people up. He's always saying that okay. stuff. So, yes, it happens all the time. Okay. So, yes. And then, so what happens then? She ducks into a restaurant to yeah. get to get a table at this 
restaurant. Yes. And they all sit down, her and all her I'm people. I'm not sure I believe the rest of the story, but go ahead. And while they're sitting yeah. down, there's someone else's stuff there. I guess they don't give a shit. They right. just sit there. Right. Because they're Britney Spears. Right. And so the manager's like, of course, Miss Spears, here's yeah. your table. Yeah. Except at the table. The guy who was at the table's in the bathroom, apparently. Yeah. He comes back from the bathroom and he sees like eight people at his table, including Britney freaking Spears. And a rack of donuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. And his name is Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore? And he tries to like go through the security because his stuff's there, his keys and his everything's sitting there on the table. And they they wouldn't let him through. Finally, her security like figures it out and they let him through. And like her publicist just kind of like hands his shit to him. Here you go. Not oh sorry. It's we could have done us. a whole podcast on this. God, Paulie Who Shore. cares about the Mariners and Wimbledon? Yeah, exactly. For God's sakes, Paulie Shore's still going around to the what? And who is Paulie Shore? Well, his mom Mitzi owned the comedy oh, store. Oh, Mitzi Shore, yeah. Yeah, I mean. So, is he supposed to be a stand-up comic? What, oh, he what? still goes around. Oh There's actually God. a documentary out about him. Not funny. And it was fascinating. Who was funnier, him or Carrot Top? Or who is funnier? Well, I think Paulie Shore's probably funnier. But Really? Well, Carrot Top's, he, you know, he's a prop act. Yeah. He's got to carry a fucking steamer trunk of shit all over the place. How about Gallagher? Bro, <laughs> rest in peace to Gallagher, right? He passed oh, away. Oh. But yeah, Paulie Shore's Sorry still out there doing his thing. Okay. All right, anyway. Yeah. Manson family killer. Yep. Remember the Manson family? Yes, I do. Leslie Good Van friends. Hooten is getting out. She's getting out at 73 years old. She was oh, part boy. of the Manson family. Yep. She's been in prison for decades. She was convicted in 1969 for killing Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. Mm. If you remember the names, the LaBianca murders. Yeah. She was like... Claimed she was the one that did it, but really now she's saying she was immature and brainwashed by Manson wow. at 19, and and Ga Governor Gavin Newsom's not going to block it. So 73-year-old hmm. Leslie Van Hooten, part of the Manson family, will just be walking the streets. Hmm. Hope everything works out for everybody. Hmm. Yeah, it's unclear when she's going to be out, but it's crazy that she's been in prison since 1969 and she's getting out. What has changed since 1969 in this world? Holy shit. Do you, fun. do you remember the old West Virginia basketball coach, the old coach named Bob Huggins? Uh, yeah, I remember his success at Cincinnati, too. You remember that he resigned and we talked about it yeah. recently on an up previous episode of That's Mitch Unfiltered? Yes, he remember said that? something on a radio. Well, he not only said something on a radio show, but then he was picked up, intoxicated in the middle of the road. You remember oh, that? right, right. There yeah. were two incidents. God, yeah. It led to his resignation. He said, I'm sorry. I've let everybody down. I'm taking some time. Mm -hmm. I need to take after myself and my family. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Remember that resignation? Take a, take a little me time. Yeah. That resignation, by the way. Mm -hmm. Bob Huggins says, never happened. <laughs> really? I never resigned. <laughs> and I'm demanding my job. God. Okay. Yes, he's requesting to return to his position. He's not looking for litigation. He says, I never resigned. I'm simply looking for the correction of a clear breach of his employment agreement with West Virginia University. West Virginia says that's factually inaccurate. Quote, what is clear is that on the evening of June 17, 2023, a couple weeks ago, Mr. Huggins met with members of the men's basketball staff and student athletes to announce that he would no longer be coaching the team. The same evening at 9.38, not 9.37, yes. following a series of written and verbal communications, Mr. Huggins clearly communicated his resignation and retirement to the university in writing via email, not text message as asserted in his letter. They say he resigned. <laughs> he said, bullshit, I'm coming back. And I never resigned. So I think I know the answer to this, but you're, you know college basketball. Is he a little kooky? Like, oh, God. Right. I mean, he's... 
Yeah. There's something going on, right? Yeah. I don't think the elevator's going all the way to the okay, top. Okay, that's yeah. kind of what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. So is it a done deal that he, I mean, they have it, I guess, in an email writing that he I don't know whether he's positioning himself to get paid here. Because mm. maybe if you resign, technically you forego the remainder of the compensation. Oh, interesting. And if I force them to fire me instead of I resign, then maybe, well, they would say we're firing you with cause so we don't have to pay you. Ugh, what a mess. My guess is there's something financially related to this. <laughs> yeah. Like everything else. Like everything else in life. So, right, I, yeah. I don't know. We'll wait and see on the next episode of Mitch Unfiltered. Well, speaking of finances, you yes. want a quick Kevin Costner divorce update? Oh, I've got, yeah. Yeah. So his estranged He's wife only is... only offering 50 grand or something? Yeah, so she's scoffing at the $51,940 monthly. Yeah. <laughs> Kids can't eat crumbs for 50000 a month. I mean, come on. What are we doing here, everyone? So according to new legal docs, Christine Baumgartner calls Kevin's child support, support proposal completely inappropriate, saying he apparently expects their kids to live well below their means when they're with their mother. 251000 a month is what she went with. Uh, yeah, that's Something what she's like, asking for. And remember, yeah. I oh, told you. 240. She's not 240. egregious. No, no. Yeah, what I told you last <laughs> week or the week before yeah. is that she said, no, I'm going to go with 240, but it's really like 325. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a I'm break. I'm going to give you a break, right? God. I'm, I'm going to give you a break. Let's see. I got a couple here. Ooh, rumors on who Tom Brady's new squeeze is. Do they still say squeeze? Am I allowed to say squeeze? They don't, but you're allowed to say Is that politically incorrect? I don't think so. It's like a 50s term. Tom Brady's squeeze. He's got a new squeeze, at least rumor is. Really? He went to a party on July 4th. The star-studded Hamptons bash of Michael Rubin, who owns Fanatics and a part of the Philadelphia 76ers, okay. and he was super flirty with another guest there who you mentioned on the show wow. many, many, many times. They've been seen now since apparently together, and everybody's speculating, does Tom Brady have a new squeeze by the name of? This is the equivalent to Ryan Seacrest taking another job. Oh, Kim Kardashian, oh, <laughs> who just bought her pinch me house in Malibu. I had to read. Oh, my uh, gosh. Really? Yeah. Tom Boy, Brady. She likes some skinny and gangly and from Pete Davidson to Tom Brady. God. I, I don't think of her as his type. Now, you would ask me, well, how would you know what his type is? And I don't know. True. Why? You don't. I don't. I have absolutely no idea. He probably likes that she's not into it for his money. She makes her own money. Makes her own money. Probably arguably more than him. Much more than him. Yes. That's amazing. I don't know. It's just a rumor. Yeah. It's just the rumor, okay. Bill, that maybe that they were cozy. But And uh, your dear friend Vanna White is upset. Oh, she is. Yes. Yep. She's reportedly feeling a lack of respect from the, the powers that be at Wheel of Fortune. She was not given any look or chance to take over Pat's job, yeah. the Ryan Seacrest. And she hasn't gotten a raise in nearly two decades. Now, how is that possible? Who is her agent? No kidding. I don't know how that could be possible. She claims that she's not gotten a raise from her $4 million a year job yeah. to spin letters in nearly two decades, 20 years. I'm just wondering, like, if... Fire if, your agent. But if he goes in and says, we're not coming to work until we get X amount of dollars, I mean, I don't want to diminish what she does, but... Can't they find someone to do it for two hundred grand a year? Is it going to affect ratings? I don't know. I'm just asking questions. I'm not. I don't want to diminish uh, your work. I would think you got to be careful. I think though, right? If you're her agent, careful. I'm not saying that he should have been walking and asking for a million dollar raise every year. Yeah, but she is Vanna White. She's the face. She of is the show. synonymous yeah. with the show. Yeah, and if she's making four million dollars a year in 2000, 20 years ago, <laughs> right? 
the guy can ask for 4.1 <laughs> right. in 20, 2005, and he can ask for 4.25 right. in 2020. It's not in inappropriate to ask for that kind of raise. Like hey, that. can we get 50 grand? Hey, can we get a, 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 a don- new car? Maybe, no. maybe donuts at, at, at uh, Catch LA? Right, right, on the house. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it can't be that hard to get Vanna White right. a little cost of living increase. Yeah. You know, $4 million doesn't go as far as it used to. No, it sure doesn't. No. It is kind of sad she didn't get even thought about as the host. I'm worried about my friend Heather Locklear. Why? Oh, my God. She was seen uh, on a ledge. She's had all kinds of substance abuse yeah, problems. I know she's got her demons. Yeah. Oh, my God. 61, I used to love. Oh, sure. oh, God. Who didn't love Heather Locklear? She was on the ledge of an apartment. Uh-oh. Unstable. Yeah. Everybody's worried about her. I'm worried about her. I'm worried about Vanna White. Yeah. I'm worried about Tom Cruise. Why? What's going on with him? He wants to do uh, Mission Impossible until he's 81 years old. Jeez. Yeah. He had another one come out this this week. How many does he do a year? Know, he's and how much does he make on those things? Like as hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars oh, each one. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as we're talking, he's doing sit ups right now in his in his house. <laughs> like the guy is just a machine. He's a robot. You should uh, be worried about Madonna too. I mean, Madonna's another one I'm yeah, worried well, about. You talked about her last week. I'm worried about her. I'm worried about you. Did you go to the White House last week? Did I see that you were at the White House <laughs> dropping off cocaine? I did see. Did that, you leave um, some white stuff, some powdery white stuff at the White House? Probably the first time. I'm all worried. The first time cocaine's ever been found in the White House from a staff or a politician yes i'm worried about the globe did you see that on monday last monday we like records on sports shows you oh, know yeah yeah this guy did something that hasn't been done in 15 years yep. this guy's done something that's never happened in the 40 years of his sport how about how about a record that was broken that was a hundred thousand years old <laughs> <laughs> tom brady broke that one too <laughs> the highest average global temperature monday and then tuesday and then wednesday like 17.18 degrees Celsius, the warmest day last week wow. in global history. So that's worrying you as well? That's worrying never me. never leaving the house now. Yeah. I will give you a quick update on our friend Danny Bonaducci. Oh. You can maybe yeah, feel Seattle's good about own. this. Yeah, yeah still cashing okay? paychecks in Seattle ra- radio yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Um, same me, agent. I'm me, not working. Me, me, not so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, he yeah. unloaded his Seattle home while he recovers from a brain procedure. Yeah, I, I know that he had some... Uh, some medical difficulties. Took him less yeah. than a month to buy, find a buyer for the pad. According to property records, oh. his place sold for $1.5 million, oh. which hundred grand under the listing price. But it just became too dangerous for him to navigate while he coped with his health Got issues. It. Really a nice place up on Queen Anne. Okay. He had surgery last month for a condition called hydrocephalus, a neurological disorder caused by a buildup of liquid Well, that's in the brain. good news. Says Thank he's you. recovering well. So that's there you go. That's good news. Yes. Thank you for some... Any more good news? Dennis Robin got a face tattoo. Well, that's good news. Oh, it's great news. Yeah. Right on the side of his face. A picture of his girlfriend. Oh. He didn't get the Mike Tyson face tattoo? Tyson looks like the smart one because it's not somebody he knows or he's not going to know in five years. So all of a sudden, Tyson's face tattoo looks like yeah. the right move. It's just yeah. a design. This is a girlfriend, not even a Car- wife. Carmen Electra? Not, yeah, it's not her. 20 years ago, maybe. But they I, they showed Rodman with his hat off. His, com- his hair is completely gray. Because when you see him, he's always got a hat. and like, He just sure. looks like Dennis Rodman, all that. Sure. Sort of like Slash, just looks like Slash. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. God, you forget he's old. I mean, he's just completely gray, and he's got really? this big swollen cheek with a picture of his girlfriend on it. Really? Is that his first tattoo? Yes, that's his first one. He said it went well. He's thinking about others down okay. the road, hopefully. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, any RIPs? I got one that's horrible. Well. I only have one. Okay. I mean, and they're all horrible. Right. This Most one, of them are bad. This one is particularly horrible. Go on. Do you have any? I have three. Go ahead. 
Former uh, former WNBA star and ex-Tennessee Lady Volunteers Hooper Nikki McCray Penson okay. tragically passed away at 51 years old. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, hear that. she was. Yeah. Uh, she won two Olympic gold medals with Team USA. She was okay. inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2012. And okay. no official cause, but she was battling breast cancer. So rest in uh, peace to her. Okay. Coco Lee, famous for voicing Mulan in the Mandarin version of Disney's Mulan, passed away by suicide, sadly. Suffered for depression for years, and her family says she sought professional help, but her condition drastically deteriorated. So rest in peace to Coco Lee. And then Journey's co-founding guitarist George Tickner is dead, according to bandmate Neil Sean. Now, interesting about this guy is that he left the band in 1975. He joined, he's, he's one of the founding members in 73, leaves in 75. Ooh. They sell a hundred million records after he oh, leaves. Geez. It's like, God damn it. Like, although he, he always had a dream of, of practicing medicine, but he, so he went to Stanford and he became oh. a doctor. So he did live his dream, but okay. hundred million dollars worth of records. Boy, that would have been nice to have every month coming to your mailbox, but oh my God. rest in peace How to old? George Tickner, 76 years old. No cause of death was reported. Okay. All right. I, I only have one really sad 19 year old Leandro De Niro Rodriguez. Yeah, I saw that. I the 19-year-old grandson of Robert De Niro Awful. passes away. Oh, God. and the paparazzi, of course, have pictures of De Niro heading to the uh, funeral, the coroner's office. To, oh you know, my God! I know, like just leave the guy alone. Oh my God! I know, awful grandson. That's who you have to bury. I know, brutal. Which brings us to headlines. There you go. A teen airline passenger. <laughs> stunning tribute to De Niro's grandson. Uh, A teen airline passenger changes her seat. After plus-size travelers crowd her, and of course, she gets grief for her fat phobia. This teen needs to realize that fat phobia is totally curable and only takes a few weeks of counseling, said Hotshot's wife. NASA explained how they recycle astronaut sweat and pee for drinking water. Say that again. NASA explained how they recycle astronaut sweat and oh. pee for drinking water. Ah. It's pretty impressive, but my advice is to steer clear of the brownies in space. A man is being criticized after proposing to his girlfriend as she exits the airplane bathroom on their way to Mexico. They're on their way to Mexico. She comes out of the bathroom. He gets down on a knee and proposes to her. And everybody goes wild. Yeah, it's a little weird. She's coming out of the bathroom. But I will say it could have been worse. He could have proposed to his girlfriend coming out of the bathroom on the way back from Mexico. And finally, an Iranian man had to have a <laughs> stick of deodorant surgically removed from his rectum. What? What? And finally, an Iranian man had to have a stick of deodorant surgically removed from his rectum after inserting it for sexual pleasure. Now, to be fair to the guy, the directions do say, remove the wrapper and push up bottom. <laughs> you can see where anyone could be confused. And that'll do it for the podcast <laughs> ever. Last episode of Mitch Unfiltered. Oh, God. Where did I find you? Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Deodorant or antiperspirant? Which one? <laughs> I didn't delve that deep into it. All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. Go South Hill. I that's keep all saying. I keep. <laughs> I keep saying we'll be better we'll the next better. time. <laughs> yeah, when's that? But it happen? never quite comes to fruition. Mm. Episode two hundred and sixty. What is it? Two hundred and forty-six. Sixty-four. I want to say no. No, two forty-six. Oh God, let me do that. Two hundred forty-six or whatever this is. 